Hello. Welcome to my art forum. It's time for post orthodoxy a show about changing our minds. Yeah, baby. With your host, Dark and Ainsley Sevier. Maybe what they believe about reality isn't all of reality. What? I know, right? We are on a mission to have a better time with more people more often. The question is more how do you get there? Post-orthodoxy explores strongly held beliefs, how those belief systems divide or connect people, and what might be found beyond those reality bubbles. Keep calm. Don't lose your head. I've got a piece of chocolate here with me because I got anxiety about doing this. Welcome to this neighborhood. Neighbor, 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 neighbor. Yes, indeed. Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. Welcome to post-orthodoxy. I hope I jumped in at the right time. Our intro did that thing again where it doesn't play in my ears, but I know you guys were hearing it, and that's what matters. This is episode 28 of season two. How does that make you feel, Dark? Uh, I feel pretty good. <laughs> 28 of season two? That's right. We started doing two shows a week when we, when we came back after our um, banning from KBMF. So we've racked them up even with a two-month break in the middle right i'm happy to be here i'm happy to do this is last week was episode zero of part two season two right but i've renamed it episode 27 oh but yes uh, it was it was you, sort of you like had the, to go do some math it was yeah i had to count back through all of our previous shows for the season <laughs> i named this episode the biggest pretend do you know the reference for that no it's from Peter Pan. Oh. Um, I think it's only from the 2003 live action movie version of Peter Pan, which was a pivotal part of my childhood. I see. Um, and or I guess I wasn't really a child then, but whatever. So uh, your development as a human. <laughs> at one point in the Ages. movie, uh, Peter is protesting to Wendy that he just wants to be a boy forever and have fun and never grow up and just I just I want to never grow up and always be a boy and have fun and Wendy who is maturing and is cottoning on that Peter likes her but is torn between moving to the real world with Wendy and um, staying in Neverland and mm. fighting Indians and and running through trees Ooh. and not having any responsibilities. Ooh. He's torn between liking a girl and not having to do anything about it. Uh, Wendy says, Peter, I think that may be your biggest pretend. Your biggest pretend. Because he's all about pretend. So how does that... That's a nice way of saying Peter's it, lying to himself. It's a nice <laughs> reference. How does that apply to today's show? Um, well, I uh, oh, somewhat obliquely, okay. but uh, I think we're going to be orbiting around this main question today. Uh, the vaccine, getting the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine is supposed to do three things, can potentially do three things for you. Um, it can protect you. Mm -hmm. It can, it's supposed to protect others around you mm. and it can alleviate the social pressure that you might be experiencing from not having had the vaccine. Alleviate the social pressure. Yeah. Oh, right, right. So, like, you know, your friends are always asking you if you've got it, and you always have to come up with a reason that you don't. Or well, and, and in other cities, not just so. We we live in a, a bubble in Montana where we have mandates around COVID that are different than, say, St. Louis mm -hmm. or blah, blah, blah. So it's not just, yeah, relieving social pressure. It's also in St. Louis, when we were in St. Louis last week, um, we could not, people are not allowed into bars, if they cannot show a card. It's true. 
So it's not just social pressure, it's social access. I mean, that is yeah. that is a social pressure. I'm just using the word social oh, okay. pressure for right, everything. Right. Like, you can't go places, you can't get a job, you can't travel. That's a lot of social um, pressure. That's a lot of social pressure. Yeah. So the vaccine is supposed to alleviate that for you. Yes. Now, yes. I would say, hands down, if you get one of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, the top three being Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, you will absolutely receive number three, which is alleviation of social pressure. For, yeah. Your friends will never look at you weirdly again. You won't right. have to feel weird every time you see someone posting about how the unvaccinated should go die and eat a bag of dicks online. Right, right. You get to be like, ah, oh, I'm not one of those people he's talking about anymore. Mm. Uh, I think you can absolutely say that if you do get the vaccine, um, one of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, that you will achieve number three, which is alleviate social pressures that you're feeling. Ooh. And in other countries, it will enable you to travel, have a job, get housing in a particular neighborhood. Your kids can go to school. You can go to the grocery store. A lot of other things that are much worse than just someone saying you should eat a bag of dicks on Facebook. Um, it's the first two that we want to orbit around today. And we're going to orbit around these first two questions. Does the SARS, do any of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines protect you? And do they protect the people around you? And to what degree? And we're going to orbit. what degree? We're going to orbit around those two questions um, from a variety of perspectives. One, we're going to talk about parallel universes. Ooh. Two, we're going to talk about mass formations. Ooh. And three, we're going to talk about why are Dark and I talking about this question? Yeah. Why? Why would we do this? Why? Why are we doing this? Why it's did we have the whole conversation about masks that got us kicked off of KBMF? And why are we talking about vaccines now? We're not doing this to be contrary. Just to be contrary, we're not doing this to anger friends. No, we're not, and we're not doing, doing this, this to hurt people. To hurt people, actually, the opposite is the motivation. Yeah, is to alleviate suffering by having a greater awareness of the condition that we find ourselves in. I think a lot of our loved ones and friends uh, observe us from the outside. Right. Um, they observe us talking about and questioning the mainstream story. Wait, wait, and they say, wait. Why do you care more about your personal rights than people's literal lives? Oh, ex okay. So, and what do you say to that? Well, that's one of the parallel universes that people in this planet have slipped into recently, which is that it's, um, it's mutually exclusive. And it's also, um, I think, if someone comes up to me and says, why don't you just care about people's lives? Because I care about people's lives. Like, I don't even want one person to die. Right. And I'm like, I also would like not even one person to die. However, I am I not know. caught up in a traumatic mass formation, which is a fantastic psychological event that we've been learning about over the last couple of weeks. Also I'm, known as mob psychology. Mob psychology. I'm not caught up in a traumatic mass formation right now that has me unable to see any suffering besides COVID deaths. We have to, we have to go into that. Yeah, yeah. I can see other suffering besides COVID deaths, and I am... And I have been concerned for over a year now that the other suffering that I see besides COVID deaths is going to outweigh the suffering from COVID. That has been a premise of the show for a long time. And uh, for people who are surprised or dismayed that we might be talking about a subject that um, is not completely in line with uh, the governmental pharmaceutical media. mainstream media nexus. Yeah. If they are concerned that we're doing this or surprised, the name of the show is Post Orthodoxy, <laughs> where we question orthodoxies. You know, we used to. It's kind of the premise of the show. We did and a so, disclaimer before. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not here 
to be arbitrarily poking at things that we're not supposed to poke at, I feel like this is a big issue uh, because it is life and death yeah. for a lot of people. And we want to talk about deaths, like what makes the COVID death something that is more tragic than the 30% increase in suicide deaths mm. during the lockdowns? Mm-hmm. What makes COVID deaths more tragic than thirty thousand than than the thirty percent increase in in drug overdose. What makes that more tragic? What makes COVID deaths more tragic than uh, the poorest people in the poorest countries dying of starvation because of a breakdown in supply chains due to the COVID lockdowns? What makes COVID deaths more tragic than the deaths of people from heavy-handed tactics to keep people from dying from COVID? What how do we weigh this scale? This is the thing. This is an aspect of mob psychology and mass formation uh, is that when people, um, we can read those things. Should I go back and read like the conditions that were required for a mass formation to occur? Sure. Yeah. I'll intro them and you find them. So a mass formation is a, is a psychological event that can happen on the planet for homo sapiens and has happened before it's been observed by scientists and psychologists and described. And now we can see when that habit or pattern is happening again in homo sapiens psychology. Right. We've seen it before. We've seen it happen before. It's been observed, studied and theorized and put into words. And now we can observe it happening again. We, uh, they've quantified, uh, the field of the scientific field of, I guess it is psychology scientific. I guess it is. Yeah, it's a science. In the science of psychology, they have uh, put together some criteria that need to be in place f- to catalyze a mass psychosis or a mob uh, psychology or a mass formation, depending mass on what you formation. want to call it. I think mass formation is the least, is the word that's going to make triggering, somebody the least, least defensive. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to put them all in here. We will use the term mass formation because that is how I learned about the 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 psychiatrist that I learned this from used the term mass formation and he's from Belgium. So maybe that's just the thing, but I want to connect it to phrases that people in the West are familiar with. Right. So in mass formation, AKA mass psychology, mob psychology or crowd psychology, crowd behavior is heavily influenced by the loss of responsibility of the individual and the impression of universality of behavior, both of which increase with crowd size. So the idea that the loss of responsibility of the individual. Mm. So that means that there's nothing we can. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. We have to leave it to the leaders. It has to. Some outside force is going to take care of us. Well, I can see why we we can't do anything about it ourselves. I can see why Homo sapiens would be at a point over the last several years where they're where they're ready to believe that mentality because there are so many people who in developing countries and in. Uh, underdeveloped countries who feel as though they have no control over the the right. well the well the quality of their life, and right. if you feel like if you felt generationally or even in the course of your own life that you don't have control over the quality of your own life, then then it would absolutely be relieving to get caught up in a story that someone else has control over the quality of your life, and you should let them take care of it. Yeah, let's just go back in the wayback machine, uh, all the way back to 2016, whenever the DNC. 
decided to rig the primary and uh, make sure Bernie Sanders was not the candidate yeah. and then did it again in 2020. Let's go back to that time machine. That can make you feel makes a lot like of people you have no sway. Right. And and think of the Republicans who don't like Trump. Think of the Republicans that are like, I my party is now going to be associated with a game show host. Like it wasn't just Democrats that were dismayed about yeah. what was going on. There were a lot of people going, this is a complete shit show. Yeah. And I guess there's nothing I can do about it, but vote for the lesser of the evil. Right. So this is the condition that we were in. So I'll read the four things that need to exist or be in place for mass formation to emerge. And this go back into the Wayback Machine way before COVID <laughs> and see if you can recognize, and not just before COVID, but leading into COVID, including the initial two-week lockdown. So let's think back. There needs to be a lot of socially isolated people, people who experience a lack of social bond. Uh, the cult of the DNC was fractured. The Democratic Party was no longer, if it ever was, a cohesive party. It was the progressives and then the blue dogs or the Hillaryites versus the Bernie bros. Or So this fracturing down and um, dissolution of cohesion and what used to be strong groups was taking place. And I'm just speaking from the left perspective because that's where I was camped out at the time. Um, there needs to be a lot of people who experience a lack of sense-making in life. So when you're going to go vote, I'm just going to break this down to the political thing, and you can throw other aspects of our society, because the politics are connected to our economics, are connected uh, to our standing in the world as far as people feel about themselves as Americans. You know, So there needs to be a lot of um, people who experience a lack of sense-making in life. So there's the idea that you're going to vote for somebody you don't believe in because otherwise somebody you believe in less will win. That's not an inspiring situation to be in. That's a situation where you're actually have to um, uh, choke it back and do the thing you don't want to do because the options are so bad. So I think that fits in with people who experience a lack of social bond and people who have a lack of sense-making. Things don't make sense. We have a game show po- host for a president. Uh, they took the word literally. Uh, they took the word liter- literally in that year, 2016, uh, which in the Oxford Dictionary now means figuratively because people use it <laughs> wrong so often. So if you look up literally, it also means figuratively now. That's a lack of sense making. Uh, they talk about being in a post-truth world with the 2016 election. If that's not a a lack of sense making. I don't know. I don't know what else you need. Uh, the next condition, the third condition, there needs to be a lot of free floating anxiety. Well, <laughs> I think those first two conditions can be rather anxiety provoking. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm looking at aspects of where I was in those times, but we're looking at uh, growing income inequality. If that doesn't make you anxious, if the richest people become so obscenely wealthy. Um, and we just, and we're not doing anything about that. That seems to be an okay thing for people to become obscenely wealthy. I'm not saying they benefited from their efforts and now they, they, you know, they did some work and now they get the benefit. I'm talking about people who are playing a game where they have a feedback loop of wealth that spikes like feedback on a speaker at a show that wealth is spiked into a feedback loop. Meanwhile, people are starving and that is increasing 
And that was why this is, I'm going to tie this into the whole Bernie thing because Bernie yeah. was saying we have income inequality and we got to do something about it. And then COVID hits and income inequality took uh, an exponential curve up. And I don't hear anybody who was, I, I hear very few people talking about income inequality when Anymore. it's gotten so incredibly worse because we have another thing to talk about, which is COVID. Yeah. Um, the fourth condition, all, there needs it, to be a lot of free-floating psychological discontent. And all income inequality is worth it when you're fighting a deadly plague, which is it doesn't matter. going it doesn't into matter, the parallel right? universe category. We have to deal with the crisis at hand. It sucks that people are going into poverty, losing their jobs, losing their homes. Sucks that the kids have to uh, like stay out of school. It sucks that businesses are closing down because of the lockdown. It sucks that people are losing their homes because but of the nothing, lockdown. But nothing nothing is as bad as the main bad guy. It sucks that Wall Street is coming and buying every available house possible so that regular folks can no longer have a pathway to building wealth by buying their first house. That kind of sucks, but COVID. There was a... Uh, a thing that we went through for a few years, which is if you really tried to talk about reform in the political process or reform within political parties, you would hear, but Trump. We can't do reform. We can't actually uh, try to get hold the Democratic Party uh, accountable during this election for their corruption because Trump, it's too urgent. We have to, but Trump, but Trump, but Trump. Now it's but COVID, but COVID, but COVID. So it's the same condition that was happening before, but now it's exacerbated. There was a mass formation around the Trump phenomena and a massive traumatic uh, impact on a lot of my friends. They were traumatized by Trump. They could no longer think about things. They had to react to the crisis, constantly reacting to the crisis. This is somebody who's had their amygdala triggered and is operating out of trauma. So we were doing that before the COVID story. And it seems like that mass formation, the bubble of that discontent within um, the liberal and progressive left popped in to the larger bubble of but COVID. Mm -hmm. But Trump, but COVID. It just transferred over. Right. Um, people stopped, uh, people who had already been in a habit of being reactive to the news and reactive to the narratives of the day just transferred that over mm -hmm. into the COVID story. Well, we just have to beat COVID. I don't right? feel like I can do it myself. We have to fight COVID. We have to beat COVID. This right. is a thing that people are still saying. Somebody in a thread yesterday says, if those, if the unvaccinated would just get in and help us fight COVID. And I was like, what does what that do, mean? What does fight COVID mean to you? And where Let's did take you, a pause. Where did you get that story? Yeah, what does it mean to fight COVID? I think for some people, they think, that enough, I think this is a narrative and correct me if anybody out there, if I'm, if I'm being, I'm not trying to be uh, derisive, but I think the narrative that I hear from a lot of my friends is if everybody would get vaccinated, then we would no longer have COVID. That's a belief system. And that's not based on any kind of science. That's a belief system. That's not a scientific, there's no way to go. That's and not say, how that viruses work. work. It does, that's not how it works. Yeah. That's but not there's how a lot any viruses work. Who are operating on the premise mm -hmm. that if we if everybody would get vaccinated, then we would beat COVID. Well, but what about smallpox? Yeah, that's not uh, smallpox was not transmittable to gerbils and dogs and cats and white-tailed deer. <laughs> if you took It also wasn't yeah. a coronavirus. It wasn't it a was coronavirus. It was a different yes. kind of it was a different kind of pathogen. Yeah, these things are different. So 
we know how coronaviruses behave. If you got rid of all the humans that had coronavirus, if you just put them uh, uh, in, on a ship and sent them Launched off into, into outer space. space, and we found people who had never been exposed to COVID, and we just left them on planet Earth. 65% of white-tailed deer in uh, upper Michigan that were tested for COVID had COVID. Yeah, which... It was 40% recently, and now it's up to 65%. Your dogs and cats... Yeah. If we started testing our dogs and cats, they would have COVID. I mean, and this was a thing at the beginning, unfortunately, is animal shelters got overwhelmed with people who had cottoned on that, that coronaviruses are not limited to homo sapiens right. and started abandoning their pets at shelters because, yes. because they believed it was a deadly plague and I would rather abandon my family dog than potentially bring the deadly plague into my house. But we know now it's not a deadly plague and yeah. people are still, anyway. It's dogs and cats are not dying from COVID as far no. as I know. The deer are not, there's. They have antibodies. They have antibodies for COVID. So I mean, maybe some deer, deer have died of COVID. And maybe we don't they know. died from COVID. We don't know. Yeah. So I think this premise that if everybody gets vaccinated, then we'll beat COVID is just a strange, it's a part of this mass formation yeah. where people have locked into this fascination with everything COVID. They don't know, most people don't know when they say there's 12 more cases in Butte of COVID, most people don't actually know what that means. Most people don't know what a case number is. They don't know what defines a case. So somebody like you could go into the hospital to get, get your elbow looked at. And if they tested you for COVID and you were, you, I were, had a certain level of COVID viral load in my system, whether I was sick, sick or, or not, anything, and yeah. you get your elbow fixed and you left, that's a COVID case. Yeah. And people don't seem to understand. They, I think a lot of people assume that when there is a case of COVID, that is somebody who is sick with COVID. And that's not what a case is. No. So that's a belief system. That's a belief system. So this idea that we're all going to get vaccinated and there will be no more cases is not a thing that's going to happen. Um, it's in the deer. It's in the dogs. Your gerbil has it probably. So we're not going to put masks on the gerbils. And we're not going to go vaccinate every um, red-blooded creature on the planet. It's not going to happen. And even if we did, would not stop, apparently, because we get vaccinated with the vaccines that we have, and we still spread COVID. You still have a viral load. Yeah. If you contract COVID, you still have... And we can get into that data. Yeah. Because this is something that a lot of people don't know, and this is not us being... Like conspiratorial. We're not being condescending or conspiratorial at all. We're no. trying to share data. We've been having a lot of conversations online and in person with friends and loved ones. And these, these belief systems keep coming up and we're like, okay, we've been so immersed in this data over the last couple of years that we forget that there are a lot of people who are still only getting their information from sources that they trust. And those sources are not talking about all of the data that's available to us on the planet from governments and healthcare systems worldwide. And one of these belief systems that keeps coming up in when our conversations with our friends... Oh is is that um, if I get vaccinated, then I won't make other people sick. Right. If I get vaccinated, then I am protecting my neighbors. And that's not true. We talked about the mass formation on our show on Sunday. The part that we did not get into is some of the very strange effects of a mass formation, which is when people lock in, they've, they've had meaninglessness, they're angry, there's a, free, a lot of... Uh, free-floating anxiety and, and at a dis-ease with life in general, suddenly there is a focus. And suddenly there's nothing they can do about the virus, but 
the government's going to take care of it or the pharmaceutical company's going to take care of it is this sort of locked in idea that people go, ah, okay, somebody's going to handle it. And now we just have to support the somebody. And so supporting that somebody means just wear a mask or go get a vaccine. So great. We can all do that. I can help be in this thing. And so suddenly COVID deaths become the most important thing in that world. And when we, we got into trouble with a lot of friends because we said, but the reactions to the COVID deaths, because, and this is also on last, on Sunday's show, the reaction to COVID was based off of bad modeling that came out of the Imperial London, uh, the Imperial College of London that overstated the, the uh, potential death rate for the uh, virus. Yeah. Also, it, it way overstated. Wait, yeah. They were like, so maybe we prepared they, for the overstated. We thing. prepared for the worst, which is great. And then when we found out it wasn't what the original model said, we did not scale back our reaction to the virus. So the, we were not reacting yeah. to the virus. We were reacting to bad modeling of the virus. Uh, a prediction that was proven to be incorrect. And the people that we trust did not modify their behavior or their stories to match the data as the data evolved. Right. And then we also know that the panic paper out of Germany and what England was doing and what we do with our mainstream news is uh, they're afraid that we're a bunch of morons and we're not going to do the things we're supposed to do. So we must frighten the population into compliance. Mm. That's not a conspiracy theory. There That's are papers and documents did. that governments did. Yes. And you can go find that. If you look up the panic paper, you can find a translation from Germany. And then you can start finding the equivalent in England. And I don't know if there's been an official paper in the U.S. that is equivalent to the panic paper. But we have obviously, uh, been, there's been a drive of fear and, you know, our Facebook changed because now every time you post anything with the word vaccine or COVID or anything like that in there, you get a warning saying, whoa, misinformation, you need more context, blah, blah, blah. So that whole phenomena was meant to ostensibly curb misinformation. Shana says we have double audio going somewhere. Huh. Damn it. Really? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Shana. I'm going to look into it while Dark keeps talking. Oh, boy. Uh, I'll slow it down so you can get both words twice. I knew I was hearing double audio, but I mm. couldn't figure out where from. So do we need to just take a break and come back? No, keep oh. going. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it now. So the issue with the mass formation is that when people finally get a break from the malaise that happened before the formation and actually feel a bond with other people that are on board with this mass formation or mob psychology, um, then there's uh, sort of what they call, somebody termed uh, radical collectivism. Mm. So everybody no longer, are they're willing to give up their rights. They're willing to like, fine, I will let my business fail. Fine, I will not go to school. Fine, I will do all the things you tell me to for everybody else, for your grandma, for everybody else. The interesting phenomena in this psychology is that when people move into that radical collectivism, they stop noticing what they've given up and they stop noticing other things that could be noticed like deaths from a spiking in uh, suicide uh, or, or overdoses uh, and amping up of um, this 
income inequality. Suddenly that's not a topic for people who are concerned, who are vocally concerned on Facebook about COVID. They don't seem to be talking very much about income inequality. They don't seem to be talking very much about uh, abuse spikes Mm. of people who were locked at home where the poverty level was dropping because of the lockdown measures. People can't feed their own kids. They're getting poorer and poorer, stressed and stressed. Mm -hmm. Kids are suffering, but that's not as important to people who are concerned about COVID deaths because those are the most important deaths. And even, and this is what we were talking about over a year and a half ago, even if the lockdown, it is showing that the effects of the lockdown and the policies economically and physically on people, um, the effects are likely going to show more damage and more death and more destruction of a society than the actual virus. Our reaction to the virus is going to kill more people than the virus. These that are, is what we're looking at. These are things that Dark and I were predicting over a year ago, and we're just now getting to a point where we're able to see those numbers. For instance, the census data from 2020 gave us a massive spike in deaths by drug overdose, um, like compared to all previous years. And but, yeah. so, like, so like things like this, it's going to take a really long time. Like I can't go and look up how many people died because they didn't go in for a cancer screening, but we're going to have spikes in various things. People, how many people died from not being able to get insulin because they were afraid to go to a pharmacy because their doctors cancer were t- screenings were a big deal too. Because their doctor was telling them there was a plague, you know, and, and this is not, we are not bashing individual healthcare workers at all. We are not bashing individual individual people who are just doing the best they can with the information that's available to them. What we're saying is that there is other information available and we're trying to alleviate suffering. So we get emphatic and we are very emphatic. We have loud voices. We have big eyeballs and large facial expressions. And our emphaticness comes from um, trying to get some news out there that is being, that we feel is being suppressed by the mainstream government No? We don't feel it's being suppressed. It's being actively suppressed, and we can get to that later in the show. Okay. All it's right. not a feeling. Good clarification. Yes. It's not a feeling. I, I sometimes try to be too diplomatic because, <laughs> because I don't want people to just get turned off and leave. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I don't want that. people to just feel offended that you're saying them caring about their neighbor isn't good enough. Uh, caring because about the neighbor is important. That, that, yeah. But when we start minimizing other things, such as uh, Wall Street buying up all the houses. Yeah. And the effects that will have on generationally. Re- generationally for years and years and years to come. Um, the effect of, uh, like, the world, uh, it was the UN in May of 2020 said, these lockdowns are going to be worse in the poorer countries. There are people, there will be cascading effects where childhood starvation is going to skyrocket. That is the case now. Childhood, start kids starving slowly with no food is somehow not as relevant or important than a COVID death. And we're not saying that you, gentle listener, don't care about children starving as much as you care about people dying from COVID. We're talking about a massive psychological event where many people have been traumatically brainwashed into not being able to think about anything other than a COVID death. This is an opportunity for you or someone you care about to begin noticing all the other people dying besides the COVID death numbers. So uh, Ainsley has been talking about uh, the, the notion of parallel universes. So if there are people who are in this mass formation who are Im- uh, immune, apparently to the suffering of th- 
of people and countries and classes if they're immune to that because of the focus on COVID, that is a very particular reality. Yeah. I don't live in that reality. I think it's tragic when somebody dies of COVID, especially if they're, if they, um, I don't know how many people, I'm just going to scratch that. People dying <laughs> That's another from COVID. Show. That's another show. <laughs> and people dying from bad policy choices in a reaction to COVID, those lives have the same value to me. They are also tragic and potentially preventable. And preventable. What's not preventable, there are some things that are not very preventable. What's that? Well, if someone has a lot of pre-existing conditions, they have a much, much smaller chance of preventing their own death from COVID. Unfortunately. Right. It's like scientifically and medically... It will be very hard for a loved one of mine who has diabetes and a heart problem to prevent a serious illness or a COVID death. Now, there are a lot of other treatments that we could talk about and a lot of preventative measures people could be doing to boost their immune system response to SARS-CoV-2. But, like, we can't necessarily, like, people, there's a belief system out there and it's on all the posters and all the bathrooms, this fight COVID belief system that we can somehow keep ourselves from experiencing the virus you can keep yourself you can somehow put someone in a bubble maybe a loved one that you care about and just keep them in a bubble so that they don't die from SARS-CoV-2 and there's there that's that's scientifically verifiable since early last year how much you can prevent your death from COVID and how much of it is under your control and how much of it is not under your control if you have a pre-existing condition it's far less under your control to prevent your death from COVID. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. this narrative that uh, if we'll just let Big Brother come in with a vaccine and save you, that narrative, which is not panning out Mm -hmm. in the way that people thought it would pan out, and we're going to get to that in a second. Because of that narrative, we have not been talking enough about people who do have comorbidities and are at risk and how we could protect those people and how they can protect themselves. Getting some vitamin D, getting outside more, doing a workout, trying to get your body to improve your immune system. We can do improvements to our immune systems yeah. by stopping some bad behaviors and taking on some new things that we didn't know before that might actually help us um, be more resistant to the virus. Mm-hmm. When people are waiting for a, a outside fix... I think it keeps people from taking responsibility for their own lives to do the things to protect themselves. And I think that's tragic. That is a tragic belief system. So what I was, what I was going, what I was headed towards, and that's fine is, um, is that, uh, you could put people on a chart and many governments and health organizations have done it. They've put people on a chart and organized them by type of person and type of pre-existing condition based on your age, your obesity, your diabetes, your heart conditions, pre-existing conditions, um, autoimmune disorders, things like that. And how likely are you to be able to prevent your death from COVID? Mm. And so we, we know those charts have been out for a long time. Um, governments and health authorities have known for a long time who is most at risk from dying from COVID and putting that another way. How much of that death can we prevent? There is a lot of death we can prevent, and there are some deaths that we are going to most likely be unsuccessful preventing. However, in an effort to prevent those deaths, 
we are causing a lot of other deaths. And that's where Dark and I's focus has been um, since early last year, around May or whatever, when we started realizing that the lockdowns were going to keep going and going and going and all of these measures of keeping everybody in their homes alone, not outside, not socializing, not getting fresh air, not exercising. Kids can't go to school. People are locked in with abusers. People can't go to work and make money to keep their home to get groceries. All of these things we started noticing, like the WHO has always recommended two weeks of lockdown in the event of a novel virus of some kind in order to give the healthcare systems a chance to figure out how to handle it. Sounds reasonable. Very reasonable. When they begin extending and extending and extending, that's when, and, and couple that with knowing last spring who was most at risk and arguably, although this information has been heavily suppressed, knowing last spring how to prevent serious illness and death in most COVID cases. We're not doing We're not doing preventatives. No one's been talking about preventatives, and I'm not even talking about ivermectin. I'm talking about literal vitamins. There, there are preventative measures that the governments and health officials could have been telling people to do that would have prevented a lot of deaths, but they weren't doing that, and they just extended the lockdowns, which began raising the amount of collateral death that is going to come out of trying to prevent these deaths, even though we knew who was most at risk and we had measures that were possible to prevent deaths. We started, we continued, our health officials and government officials continued enacting measures that are causing death to prevent deaths that we know how preventable they are and how to prevent them. Yeah, there's an article that just came out Recently, it says aspirin use is associated with decreased mechanical ventilation, intensive care unit admission, and in-hospital mortality in hospitalized patients with coronavirus disease. This is uh, information. It's aspirin. Mm, you want to translate that sentence into normal, normalish words? Uh, this is from a medical site. This is um, the... International Anesthesia Research Society. So, no, it just gets more complicated from there. Let me see if I can find the result, the conclusions. Um, aspirin use may be associated with improved outcomes in hospitalized COVID-19 patients. However, a sufficiently powered randomized controlled trial is needed to assess whether a causal relationship exists between aspirin use and reduced lung injury and mortality. So a number of articles have been coming out saying that it seems like something as simple as aspirin could be saving lives. Yeah. But I don't hear that. I don't hear a lot of that. It's the same thing that we found out about. Vitamin um, C and vitamin, vitamin D. Vitamin C and vitamin D. These are things that, uh, and the article that I, I posted on my Substack, which is about using ivermectin in um, India that basically killed the, the virus for an entire province in India. Yeah, they're down to it like, down to next to nothing. Yeah. Single digit But cases. for some reason to talk about that you're a you're you're a horse dewormer snorter. If you look at <laughs> it at an please actual don't, thing please don't that, snort dewormer. An actual thing that occurred. Yeah. You can't talk about it though because it goes against the narrative and this is the problem with the mass formation. Yeah. Is that anything that doesn't fit must the, be fate, false. The, the, the cult-like behavior of the mass formation is suspect. And so it doesn't get the same attention as the stuff coming through the narrative. I think that's dangerous. Um, and 
how are we getting our information? One of the things that we do here at Post Orthodoxy is media analysis. We are basically trying to inform ourselves about what the fuck is going on. Mm. And in the process of informing ourselves, we like to take you along on that trip to show how we're getting our, our information. We're not here trying to tell you what to think. We're not here saying that we know what's going on and we know the only right way of what things are doing. What we're saying is we're learning things and we'd like to take you on the trip with us where we're learning stuff. I'd like to um, just run over real quickly four dimensions of cultic groups. Oh, yeah, do it. Uh, so this is from an article from the Tennessean. I just looked up on the Internet what makes a cult. Oh. And this article popped up and I'm really liking how... Um, uh, how this lady is breaking it down. Uh, Lelich is a professor emerita of sociology at California State University in Chico. She recently spoke to the Tennessean about the characteristics of cults after an article written by veteran religious writer Bob Smietana for the Nashville scene. The investigative report explained why the followers of a leader of a Columbia-based cat rescue think they might have been in a cult. So that's an interesting side story. Uh, cat rescue cult? Yeah, cat rescue cult. Right. I would not be surprised that's a that's a whole nother show Some toxoplasmosis yeah, toxoplasmosis so Yanga Ye Lelich um professor emeritus of sociology at California State University what is a cult four dimensions a charismatic leader or leaders mm. charismatic leader is the originator of the group leaders charismatic leaders are people who are charming they know how to read people they come along and offer a message that is going to resonate once they get a few followers, that's all they need. And then those people go out and recruit more, building up an aura around the charismatic leader. Who do you think is the charismatic leader of the current cult? I, I think because uh, of this weird cult-like tendency to say, believe in science, which is not scientific. <laughs> I would say that Fauci could be that guy. He's yeah. like amiable. He's like that uncle or granddad that's like, ah, whatever. Let's just wear masks. Everything will be fine. Like, Except that he has said, don't wear masks. I, I, let's not, yeah. Don't be an idiot and wear masks. Oh, wait, no. Be an idiot. It's confusing. Yeah. That's the problem. And he's, he, a, he's charismatic. Very charismatic. Because he comes out and says one thing, and then he just blows off that when he's changed his mind, rather than saying... You know why this happened? I changed my mind because of data. Because of data. He doesn't say that. No. He says, I changed my mind because of policy. So we have a charismatic leader who has many people who believe in him because and believe him. Yes. And recruit other people to believe him. So there are people out there that are championing Fauci. Yeah. Like uh, instead Brad... of championing the data. Suddenly Brad Pitt yeah. is volunteering to play Fauci because Fauci said he wanted Brad Pitt to yeah. play him on Saturday Night Live. That is an uh, echo chamber of yes. supporting the leader, which if the data backed up the deadly plague story, Fauci would be saving us all. Yeah, yes, not But when on. you look at the data, what is Fauci doing? The data does not back up a deadly plague story and the data does not back up vaccine saving lives story. Well, it so, is a deadly plague it's just not as, it as extreme right. as it was sold mm -hmm. and what some people still think. Right. There was a poll that, you know, people were asking, like, what do you think? And I'll ask you this question right now and you can answer in your brain. Um, <laughs> what do you think the likelihood is of you going to the hospital if you, if you get COVID? If you get SARS-CoV-2. Like if you were to if you were to encounter SARS-CoV-2, what do you think the likelihood is of you going to the hospital? Statistically, Democrats thought your chances were higher. Than Republicans, which That's was interesting. Not surprising. Um, However, and a lot of people were saying, 
there was like a minority of those people saying about a 50% chance. If you got COVID, 50% chance you're going to the hospital. Most people were saying 30%, 40%, 20%. And that's on the right and the left. Yeah. It's yeah just on, that, and the independents. Yeah, everybody it's, in between. it's just that the left, the right, and the independents have a different response to the potential for death than so the, the left does right, right now. So the chance, if you contract COVID. The actual chance. And you get sick with COVID. That's two not, different things. Not, not just getting COVID and being asymptomatic yeah. and not ever getting it. But if you get COVID and then get sick from COVID, your chances of going to the hospital is less than 1%. Yeah. If you look at case numbers and hospitalization numbers, all of which data you can find online, we've shared those links many times before, no, and I'll share some. Yeah, we can share those links. I'll share those links. You um, can go to a... Per, I have a percentage calculator in my bookmarks, and I have... Um, three different sources of global COVID data that I go between all three of them and then look at the percentages, which you can do. It's a simple math problem. So here's the problem with the mass formation. In the mass formation, a lot of people are believing um, uh, a story that is overstating risks and then acting on the overstated risks. This is what makes the idea of a vaccine passport. And this is one of the big things that I wanted to talk about on the show after going back and forth with two good friends yesterday on my Facebook page. Um, The notion that getting vaccinated means, so my friend said, vaccine passes are okay and vaccine mandates are okay because when I go, when people, he deferred it from himself. When people go to a restaurant, they want to know that the people serving their food are not infected and won't get them infected. And I said, well, what does that have to do with getting vaccinated? Because getting vaccinated, you can still contract and transmit. Yeah. And then there was a pivot to, well, people who get vaccinated are more virtuous. Well, no, he said... if you know that your per, your server is vaccinated, then you can make, he believes, that you can make some other assumptions about that server. If they got vaccinated, that means they care more than someone who didn't get vaccinated because that's the story. That was the assumption. Is that the only reason people don't get vaccinated is because they don't care as much as people who do get vaccinated. Because so that's they, a belief system. Because they don't want to join in the fight against COVID, which is another trope another belief that system. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So he's like, it's not based in science. If I, I can assume if my server is vaccinated, and these are things that he's doing, in his life to make himself feel safe is that he's assuming if his server has been vaccinated that that server probably also social social distances doesn't wear a mask i mean wears a mask doesn't associate with people who aren't vaccinated he's making a bunch of other assumptions in his mind about this server's personal ecosystem that makes him feel as though that server is safer for him to be around and these are it's this type of universe where that belief system has taken hold it is people within that universe and that belief system that are trying to shame people who are unvaccinated by saying they need to believe the science or trust the science or follow the science. When the whole premise of passports and vaccination being able to fight COVID is not based in science, not any current science. Yeah. So, I find that really... Oh, wait, let me go back yes. to the cult thing. Yeah, do the cult thing. So charismatic leader that's um, supported by the belief of his other followers. Um, transcend- transcendent belief system in Christianity. The transcendent belief system is do all these things in this reality and someday you will get to go to heaven. 
So transcendent, but take that away from religion. Transcendent belief system, most religions and political groups are going to have a transcendent belief system, meaning they're stating how to get to someplace better. Right. So but you what, get, what's yep. different in cultic groups is that they have the way for you to get to the better place. It's what I call the recipe for change. In order to be a part of the group and get to the transcendent better place, you have to go through a transformational process in which the group dictates to you what you have to do to get there. Sounds like vaccine mandates. Which, if the science backed it up, that vaccines, masks, and lockdowns saved more lives, then it would make sense that we would all do that thing. That would not be a cult. Yeah, we don't see that data, though, Yeah, saying that that makes sense or that that's possible. And if you feel like you have seen some data, and I'm not talking about a news article that you trust that says that vaccines, masks, and lockdowns are saving lives. I'm talking about data from a health organization, a state department, a government department, a world health organization of some kind. If you have some data showing that places that locked down or had mask mandates or have vaccine mandates are saving more lives than places that are not doing those things, I would be love I would love to see that data. Okay, I we, can show you that data. Yeah, we already have I, Actually, I can show yeah. you that data right now. Um and I, I that leads into what really kind of what I wanted to cover on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we can come back to this cult thing later. This is really No, no, great. keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Um while you're there. Okay, so three four things, right? Oh, Charis- four things. Charismatic leader um, a transcendental belief system. Do this, only this, and you will get to the better place. Systems of control, three. They think that joining, they're joining something that's going to give them purpose and meaning. This connects with the mass formation. Yeah. Slowly the heat gets turned up. You go through the rituals or the group sessions that get you more and more drawn in. As this process goes on, the person begins to adopt a new worldview that requires new behaviors and most often requires cutting you off from the past and people. There's all kinds of control Mm. mechanisms, which are the rules and regulations, such as you have to dress this way. So that's the system of control. So you have to do these things in order to stay in the group and progress in the group and kind of cut off people that aren't doing those things. We've experienced that profoundly because we're not in the mass formation. Right. Yeah. Um, and then four is systems of influence. There's more subtle influences such as peer pressure. Older members of the group, longer standing members of the group, will model for the new members how you're supposed to behave in order to be accepted by the group. Uh. Before you know it, you're so enveloped in this other reality that you don't look at anything else. You can't allow yourself to be open to any other explanations. Your mind has completely closed in on this new worldview as the only reality and the only truth. So the connections to the belief system is the kind of glue that keeps you there. This be- because you believe in it, it becomes your only hope. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Can you save that link and send it to me after the show? Yeah. I'm going to put it in our... Uh, I'll post it in Twitch because I haven't said hi to my Twitch people in a little bit. Okay. Yeah, but, and save it for me because it, it's feeding into the piece that I'm working on right now. Okay. Is that the last piece? That's it. Four things. Charismatic leader. Um, uh, charismatic leader. A uh, transcendental belief system. If you do these things, you will get to a better place. Uh, yes. Yep. Um, systems of control. Behave this way and cut off people or things that don't. Ooh. And systems of influence. Uh, subtle peer pressures and iso- wow. isolationist tactics to the point where you now are locking yourself into it because you believe that they said this is the only way. You have to keep doing that thing. I experienced this when I was growing up Christian. I believed that if I did not behave a certain way, I would go to hell. 
And so I had to keep behaving in those ways to not go to hell, even though it was that belief system that told me if I did not behave those ways, I would go to hell. And people outside Christianity were able to be like, so you have to study the Bible so that you don't go to hell because the Bible told you that if you don't study the Bible, you'll go to hell. So it's right. the same. You do. They would try to tell me, like, you do realize that's a bubble reality. It's the same. The pe- <laughs> yes, it's all in. It's encapsulated. So and yes, when you're in yes. it, you can't see. And this is the hard part because we're talking to people who are in it, and we can't tell them that they're in it, even when we try to tell them that we're they're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Parallel universes. Uh, the name of the show is Post Orthodoxy. We started it before the coronavirus to look at cult behavior and the terrain around cult behavior mm-hmm. and how we uh, were, because we were raised in cults and got out of cults. And last week I brought up the comparison that because we were afflicted with a cult indoctrination and then overcame that indoctrination, we have natural immunity to cult-like behavior. A lot of people are in cults they don't know they're in. Well, so yeah, they natural... don't know they need to get out of the cult. My cult was really bad. I knew I needed to get out. Yeah. And then I started seeing how that cult behavior on that list that you just explained has been playing out in various groups and factions my entire life. I'm seeing cults come up and go with mm-hmm. ever, without ever having a name. Um, and so it makes us better at questioning things you're not supposed to question. We have natural immunity to bullshit, um, because um, of the process that we've spent our lives on. So this yeah. is why we do the show is because we're on the outside of the mass formation and we are trying to set up a coffee table and some couches so that when people finally start to come out of that formation, we can have some conversations that are outside that bubble because we cannot talk to people who are in the formation and have them actually hear us. This is how cults work. Right. I've been trying to figure out a way to paint it up synesthetically. Is like there are some baseline belief systems that if you believe those belief systems, um, you're in a different reality than I am because I don't believe those belief systems. The premise. Those premises. And your entire outlook on everything I might say to you is informed by those premises that I disagree with. And so until we have to keep getting back to the primary premises. We have to keep getting back to the primary premises and not just discussing a bunch of other stuff because it doesn't matter if the primary premises are – we're divergent way up here. We're divergent in our understanding of reality way up here because you trust sources that I don't trust. So, like, we should go back to those sources and just be talking, like, where are your sources? What are your belief systems? Where are your sources for your belief systems? And um, do we both find them to be accurate in reality? Can we agree on that? Uh, Drago shared a document that was published – um, COVID uh, by the Washington state department of health. I like that Washington state department of health. And I'm looking at the URL. It says D O H department of health dot W a Washington dot gov. So, um, going on my belief system that you can't get a dot gov, uh, URL, unless you are actually a government organization, I'm going to assume that this document is not a forgery and is actually from the Washington state department of health. Mm. So that's some, Sure. Some media analysis that I do anytime somebody sends me something, right? Right. So actually from the Washington State Department of Health. And my second question is, how recent is this data? Published September 29th, 2021. Fairly recent. Fairly recent. Title, COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by vaccination status. Um, And their summary is, 
I'll just read through these real quick. Okay. Unvaccinated 12 to 34 year olds in Washington are six times more likely to get COVID-19 compared with fully vaccinated. Okay. So immediately for me, the word fully vaccinated is a trigger because, Uh. because I'm aware that, um, of multiple personal stories from people that I know personally, not just internet gossip, uh, where people have gone to the hospital sick from their vaccine and they cannot count it as a vaccine injury unless that person has been fully vaccinated for over two weeks. Yeah, so we have a very we have a friend. So, her dad was sick. Uh, she, he got the first shot. He wasn't sick. He just went in. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna. The I'm first a, shot was fine. I'm an old guy. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get the shot. Yeah. got the shot. Went in. Got the second shot. Got horribly sick. Got horribly sick. Which many of my in, friends got horribly ended sick. Ended up in with the hospital, second. and so he is counted as an unvaccinated person, even though he got sick from the shot. Which I like my Facebook feed was full of people who were rejoicing over suffering for a good cause. They got sick from their second shot, but they knew that's what normally happened. This guy just got so sick, he had to go into the hospital. A lot of people have gotten sick and had to go to the hospital. But when you look at the stats of the hospital, if you got vaccinated, got sick, and then because of the reaction to the vaccine, ended up in the hospital, and it wasn't within like... It two had week, to be like 10 over days 10 after days. the second shot, yeah. then you are considered unvaccinated. So these numbers, I, I, we need better data. This is my first and suspect more complete, right here. Yeah. My more complete data because different countries are doing the data differently. I'm going to read through the rest of this, but yeah. I'm just, I'm, I like, I, I just That's want you to know, flag. I went through yeah. this um, super straightforwardly and open-minded because I would like to be proven wrong. I Absolutely. want to yes. know the truth. Yes. Even if it means I eat crow for the last fucking 18 months, Yep. I will eat all the crow if I can be proven wrong. Yep. So I'm reading through this and I see the word fully vaccinated and that's a red flag to me because of other things that I know. Um, unvaccinated 12 to 34 year olds in Washington are 26 times more likely to be hospitalized compared with fully vaccinated um, 12 to 34 year olds, unvaccinated 35 to 64. And then they just go through the different age categories. So for me immediately, I'm going to need to go. This is information I'm not going to be able to find. Unfortunately, I have circumstantial data and personal accounts of people who could not get their loved ones counted as a vaccine injury. But that data is being counted by other healthcare systems. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go and compare this data in these cases and try to figure out if these people were coming into the hospital from vaccine injury or not. Yeah, because that's not in this data. I don't know. I haven't read the rest oh, of the document. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like 18 pages. Maybe they did, maybe they marked that in there. So maybe I'll, we can look into it. I'll read the rest of yeah. it and get back to you. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, there's a something that I posted yesterday that I just want to throw up as a, it's a, a tweet. Okay, so... This guy shared a tweet by another guy. Okay. Uh, This guy, Michael, shared a tweet by a guy named Einar. And this is the comment on the tweet he was sharing. He said, um, acclaimed Swedish writer directly quotes UK Office of National Statistics with citation, with no commentary, and then Twitter Twitter labeled it misleading. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So do you want to know what Twitter labeled misleading? This guy's just quoting government documents from England. Okay, okay. This is what he was pulling out of the government document, and you can have the link to the document. Uh, Deaths for teenage boys in the United Kingdom have gone up by 63% since the COVID-19 vaccine was recommended for teenagers, with an increase of a stunning 700% in just one week, according to a report from the UK Office of National Statistics. 
Now there's all kinds of information in there. Maybe rugby season started and <laughs> there's a lot of head injuries. We don't know. There's a lot of other mm. data that could be put in, but 63% junk in, uh, jump in deaths for teenage boys seems pretty dramatic. It makes me so scared for my friends. 700% in one week <sighs> seems like that would be a story. Mm. Twitter said that that was misleading. That was their warning. They said, this is misleading. And it says, find out more. Okay, what does it say when you click find out more? It just has a bunch of propaganda about vaccines. It doesn't address the issue. It doesn't address those numbers? It doesn't address those numbers at all. It just says, this is why vaccines are safe. This is blah, blah, blah. It doesn't deal with the content. And that is a segue into the the thing that I've been, I was trying to, I was, I'm working on an article. I'll have it posted tomorrow or the next day. I'm going to have up on my sub stack where I want to go into... Uh, there's a CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. So she's ah, yes. the director of the CDC. And um, there's a video where somebody took her talking in March of 2021 okay. and talking in August of 2021. There, mm. It's a very short clip. Okay. So it's her saying what the vaccines, because of CDC data, what the vaccines will do. Okay. And then she's talking about data that she learned from Israel because Israel started vaccinating people first. Right. So we have like, that, a, and they t- kept really good records. Really good records. Yeah. So it's a video. It's a mashup. It's mm-hmm. her talking in March. Okay. And then her talking in August. Let's just play that. And then we'll get to the data. Let's see if I can do it. So I was going to share the video from Twitter mm-hmm. and put it on my Facebook page, mm-hmm. which I did. I put it on my Facebook page and then immediately there was a warning. And the warning said, this post is missing context. Okay. Now, uh, it says, independent fact checkers, Reuters fact check, says information in this post is missing context and could mislead people. Context is everything. So, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Let's Let's fact check. So, I clicked on it. Okay. I went to go click on it and find out what the missing context was. Okay. Independent fact checkers say this information could mislead people. Um. And then they, in the article, the Reuters article, two merged clips of Center of Disease Control and Prevention Director Rochelle Walensky discussing the protection from COVID-19 for those vaccinated in March 2021 and August of 2021 are presented in a way that is missing context. So I'm like, okay, missing context is everything. Um, and then she goes on. They go on. It says, speaking on the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC in March 2021, in the first clip, Walensky said the CDC data showed that vaccinated people, quote, don't carry the virus, quote, and don't get sick. Okay. So in March. Those are some big claims. CDC data. Yes. Said that you don't carry the virus and you don't get sick if you get the vaccine. Which is what most of my loved ones still believe. A lot of people still believe that. That is not the case. And if you want, you can go to my document and pull out all those links from... People talking about how um, the viral load in vaccinated people and unvaccinated people are the difference is negligible. Right. Now, some people will say that's not fair because people who have the vaccine are not as sick as long, even though they carry the same load. Okay. They're not as sick as long. So that is data I haven't found yet. Right. And I don't think it's conclusive yet. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to look that up. And here's the thing. Like, if I if SARS-CoV-2 floats into my nose, yep. 
I may or may not get sick. You may or may, yeah, you just may walk around with it. I may or may not have enough SARS-CoV-2 in my nose to transmit it to anyone. Right. You have to have a certain viral load to be considered contagious. Right. Uh, so that's two different scenarios. Yeah. Say SARS-CoV-2 floats into my nose. I do build up enough of a viral load in my system, perhaps because I'm stressed and I've been sitting on my butt in front of a computer for a week, um, to get sick with COVID. And I develop symptoms and I become sick and I take a test and it proves that I had SARS-CoV-2 inside of my system and that's what I'm sick with. And I verify that these symptoms are the COVID symptoms. I lose my sense of smell for a couple of weeks, whatever. I completely recover. Never go to the hospital. Never go to the hospital. At that point, I, my immune system now has information to fight off SARS-CoV-2 in the future. Yes. Which has proven to be better and stronger than... The vaccine. Well, historically, natural immunity has always been yes. preferred, just like it's. But, but it, now look, we have data. Well, let me we just finish my, sto- yeah, 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 let me finish my story. Yeah, yeah, finish my story. So, like, so if you get if you get chickenpox as a child, that's going to give you way stronger natural, way stronger immunity than if you get the chickenpox vaccine. If you they have the a chi- vaccine for that, yeah, oh, okay, it's the shingles vaccine. Oh, yeah, because and and unfortunately, you have to get boosters, and you have a likelihood of actually contracting shingles really badly later in life when, when you get the boost when you get the booster because of the because of the v- vaccine oh, booster. So, like, it's way better to just rub your face all over some friend when you're five and get chicken pox. Get natural immunity. Right. So that's this is what my, that's what my, my mom did that with my three sisters. One of them got it and they just shut them all in the room, let <laughs> them all get through it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> way better, way stronger, way better scientifically proven. It's been known forever. So, um, so, so I, uh, SARS-CoV-2 floats into my nose. Um, I build up a viral load enough to actually contract symptoms. I get sick. I stay home. And at some point, I cease to be contagious. This is what we know. They're like, if you get the flu, you stop being contagious after a certain point. If you get the cold, you stop being contagious after a certain point. Generally, if your fever breaks, you're considered not contagious enough that you can start going back to work and school. Um, And the same process happens when you get a vaccine. You build up a viral load in your system. You may or may not develop symptoms, and your immune system learns how to fight off that virus in the future. That's what a vaccine does. Right. At some point, whether I get sick naturally or I get sick from getting the vaccine, I will cease to be transmissible. Mm -hmm. However, for that time period... There's a viral load. There's a viral load where I'm transmissible, whether I got sick naturally or I got sick from the vaccine. Remember that time that our friend got the vaccine and he was really excited at the farmer's market and he gave us a hug because now he feels safe? And then and we said, you know, that if you just got the vaccine, you could be shedding for like virus over a week. So you could just be getting us con- yeah. like the Delta and he variant didn't know. contagion. He didn't yeah. know that, that you shed virally. Now, not every vaccine does shed virally. Right. It used to be common practice in the medical community that something is not considered a vaccination unless you do not virally shed. Because mm. the whole point is that it's vaccination that yeah. vaccination is safer than getting it naturally. Right. That's the point of getting a vaccine. It, you get a vaccine when the vaccine is safer for you than getting it naturally. But the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines are leaky. They do not keep you from virally spreading SARS-CoV-2 to people around you. And if you're one of those lucky people who gets your second shot and doesn't get sick, mm. then you're walking around in your community at your workplace and your school virally shedding SARS-CoV-2. And a lot of people do not know that. Yeah, even though the CDC uh, and Fauci, they all said, okay, by the way, we just found out that when we said data says you're not going to have the virus or shed it, now we know that that data was wrong. Yeah. 
And then the CDC said, that's why even if you're vaccinated, you need to keep wearing masks. But the premise in the beginning was get vaccinated and you won't get it or spread it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was kind of a soft transition to, oh, by the way, you just need to keep doing that. It wasn't. They I just I sort think, of were like, no, really, actually go back to everybody wearing masks. Yeah, I think it deserved a little more analysis than it was given. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they weren't being super forthright. Which a lot of our well-meaning friends, unfortunately, argue that the government shouldn't just give us all the information because then stupid people might not do the right thing. Those stupid people. Some of those stupid people out there. Which many of my liberal friends have said to me. I'm going to try and play this lady's video one more time. You ready? Okay, sure. Oh, wait. I have it on mute. Unmute. Something. Okay, wait. CDC. Okay, here we go. Yes. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. This is March 2021. March 2021. So less than a year ago, this March, she said this. Reports from our international colleagues include. This is August 2021. Talking about Israel. So less than six months later. Including Israel suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. Wait, stop Given that. this body of evidence... So wait, what does vaccinated early mean? I think, and, and this is what... I think this is why we should be having a discussion about this, and this is why I wanted to talk about this particular video and the way it was treated on my page, so we cannot have a discussion about this. She seems to be saying those that got vaccinated early, and that's why I think she included Israel, because Israel started doing vaccines back in December of 2020 before we did. And so they have a longer uh, pile of data of how that is playing out over time. So one of the most vaccinated countries. Mm-hmm. So like like I, by percentage if somebody and has earliest. A, if somebody has a better idea, let me know. But what it, she seems to be saying is those vaccinated early, which I think are the people who first, the first people the to get the vaccine. The earliest people to get the vaccine. Yeah, and play yeah. Uh, can now play that again just in the clinical trials but it's also in real world data reports from our international colleagues including israel suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early given this so what she's saying is that if you got the vaccine which was safe and effective for a while it seems that she's saying Later, you have an increased risk of severe illness of severe illness. Right now, that seems significant. This is a complex issue, guys. It's not just vaccine good, vaccine bad. We're not saying either of those things. No. And you should not either. (laughs) Right. So it seems what she's saying, those that were vaccinated early. So what I am trying to understand is, does that mean that because the vaccine didn't change? So the effects of the vaccine on people who got vaccinated early should be foreshadowing for the effects that we will see so they haven't, on people they haven't who got made vaccinated new formulas. later. They haven't no. made new formulas. It's the same formulas. The same Moderna, vaccine. Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer are all using the same formulas that yeah, they, they started out with. they didn't change the vaccines. They're not, like, continually developing? No. I would have thought they would just keep researching no, no, no. and keep developing and making it better. No. Do you, so that's do why, you that's, know that? Yeah. I, I. No, I don't know that. 
So if somebody has data saying that they keep changing the vaccine that they're giving us, please let us know. Because I have write not, that down so I can. Look I have it up. not seen that information anywhere. That's so weird because I had assumed that no. they must continue to research it to try to make it better. No, that's the problem with coronaviruses is they instantly mutate, and so having a vaccine for a coronavirus is a short-lived game. Right. So. What she seems to be saying is that our data was wrong, and now you can get the virus and you can spread the virus, and it looks like people who got it earliest are showing that they have an increased risk of severe illness. Right. Which is, I think, notable coming Mm -hmm. from the CDC. So I was going to share that video. Do you want to watch the rest of what she says? Yeah. I don't think there's much. I'm just going to start the video from the beginning with March. Yeah, and listen to March versus August, August, and we won't interrupt. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. Given this body of evidence, we are concerned that the current strong protection against severe infection, hospitalization, and death could decrease in the months ahead, especially among those who are at higher risk or who were vaccinated earlier during the phases of our vaccination rollout. So what does that say to you? It does make me think that they are doing a different vaccine now because she's saying people who are vaccinated earlier have this risk especially. I don't think they've changed the vaccine. Me, okay. I'll look into it. Um, but that's why there were the boosters. So this is what I think the context that is missing, is according the, to Reuters, is that now we've got these boosters. Right. So that'll take care of it. Well, but won't that just make you more more susceptible to increased illness if you get more of the same shot? So I wanted to post that because that seems like something we should talk about. We should be talking about that. (laughs) So I posted the video and it said, missing context, go here to these fact checkers, independent fact checkers. This is what we do all week. (laughs) So I go to, uh, it says, uh, see why, you know? And so independent fact checkers say this information is missing context. Okay. So I click on the Reuters fact check article. Here's, Here's the dance that they do that I find really disturbing. So they give you... Hyperlinks to her saying those things in context. Great. Let's watch those sometime. And then examples of the video of the mashup. Now, of course, that mashup is there. Then people will share it saying different things on it when, About they're, it. Yeah. when they're sharing it. Yeah. So out of all... I found it from a very reasonable person that was saying maybe we should be talking about this. But when Reuters chose the one individual to represent who's sharing this clip, this is what they said. Um, some on social media have suggested that the merged clips are proof that the CDC has been dishonest about vaccine efficacy. Now, I would say scientific method, you try something, it doesn't work. That's not being dishonest. No. If you thought it was, if the data said it would work. Yeah. And you said, go ahead and it didn't work. That's not being dishonest. That's the scientific method. That's, that's 
homo sapiens willingly submitting to widespread medical testing in the yes. face of a deadly plague. We right. knew we were doing this. We were going to take experimental vaccines that had not been fully tested because we thought that was safer than the virus. Right. Because they said it was. Because the CDC said it was safer than so, the virus. So some on social media have suggested the merge clips are proof that the CDC has been dishonest about the vaccine efficacy. One individual who shared this clip via Twitter said, quote, the CDC keep changing their narrative to suit. It's beyond ridiculous now and utterly irresponsible and unethical. They dig their own holes now. They can't sustain the lie. Okay, 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 okay. So, right. so the whole science Out of changes. everybody sharing this. Out of everybody sharing this, they picked that they guy. They picked one individual. Okay. So, and that was the individual that they picked. So, so this, this whole science changes, that's the point of science, thing, yes. is used by both sides. Yes. And it's great, and we should all be keeping that in mind. What we're saying is, the CDC is saying, the science changed, but they're not changing how they're telling people about it or what they're telling people to do. Right. That's, that's the dishonest part. The dishonest part is not that the CDC discovered that their vaccines are not keeping you safe and may in fact be making you sicker. That's not the dishonest part. That's scientific process. That's natural. They tried it. It didn't work how they thought it was going to. What they should be doing now is changing the story instead of pushing global vaccine mandates. Yeah. It seems like that might be a thing. So, um, I find the video on Twitter. Okay. I share it on Facebook. The thing says, well, better fact check. Okay, I'll fact check. I read Reuters. Reuters says, we need to contextualize all this stuff. Okay. So they contextualize a number of the statements. Okay. There's one statement they did not contextualize. Which one was that? Severe risk of increased disease amongst those vaccinated early. Yeah, what did she mean by that? They didn't say. They were just left that out. So like the biggest bomb in that video. Yeah, which is that people that got vaccinated early on are at risk, risk for, for severer illness now. Yeah. So they decided not to fact check that part. Well, because she said, she said data that. from our yeah. global partners, yeah. uh, mostly Israel, right. is showing that people who got vaccinated earlier on are having severer cases now. We can look so, at it. You can look at it. So I'm going to read my synopsis. Of what the article said afterwards. It says, what does this mean? The Reuters piece addresses that the Delta variant may have voided the March claims by the CDC that the vaccinated won't contract or spread the virus. They do. But what is meant by the statement, those vaccinated early? Have vaccines changed? Or is she saying that those vaccinated early will be the first to have severe risk of increased disease, and all that got the same vaccine can be expected to follow suit? Question mark? I don't know. Yeah. It's not clear. So the context provided in the Reuters piece is full of hopeful rhetoric that the booster will take up the slack supposedly created by the Delta variant, but that is assuming immune escape won't repeat, putting those uh, with the booster at severe risk of increased disease. Right. So this seems problematic, right? So anyway, I'm like, I'm going to post this video. Right. So I post the video and then it throws up the like, Missing context, right? It does the thing. Mm -hmm. And then, so today, I was going to share that post where I wrote this Mm -hmm. with that video to post-Orthodoxy. Right. Which would make it the second time that you've tried to share it. And then I got this warning. (laughs) Which I thought, you know, I've never actually, I've been doing a lot of, we've done a lot of controversial stuff. We've talked a lot about controversial stuff. And I haven't gotten, you know, just the warnings that everybody gets. Um, But I haven't gotten a lot of those Warnings, because I I tend to be really careful about the stuff that I share. I don't try to do like you know stuff that isn't verified somewhere. 
So uh, there's the missing context, and then they send you to the Reuters article. And then there's a, then when I tried to share it today, a new window came up that said... On Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. It said, before you share this content, you might want to know there's additional reporting from Reuters fact check. Okay. People, pages and websites that repeatedly publish or share false news will have their overall distribution reduced and be restricted in other ways. Learn more. Excuse me? So they're basically saying, post this at your own risk. We own you. So I made an experiment today uh, on my Facebook page, and I Yay. asked everybody, I, I posted that warning, yeah. and then asked people to say hello if they can see this. Yeah, on and your timeline. On my timeline. So I got, let's see, let's see where we are with that. Um, Doesn't seem like they've shadow banned your timeline yet. Not my timeline. So what happened was I got, uh, let's see here, about 11 people liked it, and I got 12 comments. Okay. I also shared that exact same thing to the post-orthodoxy page and nothing. Yeah. No likes, no comments. I think, I think post-orthodoxy has been shadow banned for, for a, a long, long time. time. We That's get, what my friends say. Yeah, we, yeah. Get, we get people who message us and they're like, are you guys still live streaming? Like, do you ever do anything? And it's like, even though, they've, <laughs> yeah. even though they like the page, they yeah. follow the page, and they've clicked the notification button for the page, right. they are still not being notified. Okay, so I want to go one step further. <laughs> Let's talk about the independent fact checkers. Okay. Which, when so, you see something yeah. online yeah. and you're a generally trusting person or a generally some kind of person, you see something online and it says, uh oh, fact checked, you will, many people instantly feel reassured. When they see that. that the authorities have it. Somebody's taking somebody care of this bullshit. Somebody knows what's going on, right? Yeah, that's good. They, a lot of people will just immediately doubt whatever is posted because it has a fact check yeah. label on it. Oh, it's obviously false. Obviously, all of that is false. Right. So at uh, the same time, yeah. there's a whole nother kind of person that sees something posted on Facebook and sees that Facebook threw up a fact check logo on it and immediately wants to know more about that topic. Because you're aware of the fuckery of the algorithm. Because I have natural immunity to bullshit. I have natural I immunity to being brainwashed. And looked at the Reuters article. Now we've heard of Reuters. They're famous. It's like AP News. They've been around for Reuters. A long time. They've been around. That's yeah. like this is like a big media company. In general, they're supposed to be considered nonpartisan, like AP huh. and NPR. Generally nonpartisan, theoretically, sort of. They're like historically yes. thought of to be. Well, it's supposed to be the fourth estate. I mean, all news is supposed to be nonpartisan, but we know what that- is the fourth estate It's supposed to hold power accountable. So yeah. that the people know what the hell's going on with the corporations and the government but and we, the church or whoever. But, right. But most news sources are partisan. Hasn't and, been that in a while. Yeah. All right. So let's just skip over to the Pfizer website. Okay. Uh, there's a page on the Pfizer website called our people. Okay. Which it makes sense. Yeah. James C. Smith. Aged 62 years. Chairman of the Thomson Reuters Foundation. What? Wait. On Pfizer? Yeah. This is under the Our People section on Pfizer. Okay. Our People. Okay. James C. Smith, chairman of the Thomas Reuters Foundation, a London-based charity supported by the global news and information provider. President, chief executive officer, and director of Thomson Reuters Corporation, a provider of intelligent information for businesses and professionals from 2012 until his retirement in 2020. 
So he used to be running Reuters. Yeah. He did a good job and got a job at uh, Pfizer. Oh, geez. Doesn't that seem like there should be some conflict of interest there? That there should be some, that should strike somebody's spidey sense. Ding, 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 ding. That the independent fact checker Works is for now Pfizer. one of our people <laughs> at Pfizer. It sounds so sinister when you, you know, like when 5518 designs posts a page yes. with their people yeah. and I see John Wick and Cassie Wick on there. Yes. I don't, it doesn't seem sinister to me, you know. I but. made it seem sinister because <laughs> it struck me today because I was like, oh, he's on the board of Pfizer. And then I'm like, what page is it on? Our people. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> he's, he's definitely your boy. Our man in Havana. <laughs> oh, boy. I just want a news source that's like not got their fingers up somebody else's ass. Like, I would just like yeah. that so much. By the way, we're not being funded by anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Smooth My Balls Actually, offered to sponsor us, and maybe we should reach out to them because they seem nonpartisan. Right. And I think uh, Joe Rogan took their advertising. So, like, I like Joe Rogan. <laughs> He keeps talking about all their manscaping equipment. Um, so funny. So maybe we should reach out to smooth my balls and be like, okay, all right. If you don't, if 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 you promise not to try to brainwash us into doing anything against our ethics, yeah, then you can sponsor us. <laughs> uh, also, we do have a website up. There are people who do want to support the work, so we have a website up. It is called uh, Better Time. Better Time. So all you got to do is type in Better. T-I.me. On that website, on the Sevier Studios page, that's where you find the post-orthodoxy page. We have a subscribe button. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a few people already doing generous donations Yeah. Uh, on a monthly rotating basis so we can start to have a budget to do the kind of work that we're doing to present this material. We are not supported by any major foundations or organizations. If somebody decided to come in and bankroll our podcast... We would let you know. Yeah. At this point, it's just she and I eating our breakfast over our computers, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and sharing that process with you. If you'd like to support that. Yeah. And why? There are people out there that think we're Dunning-Krugering ourselves into oblivion, that we're full of ourselves, that we don't care. We obviously care more about rights than lives. None of those, none of those things are true. We, we fact check ourselves constantly. We're very open to critique. I am very excited that Drago shared a link for us to dig into today. Um, And I hope that you appreciate that I walked you through my very objective perspective when I take in new information. I am going to go into that link and figure out if there's any way for me to find out how many of those cases were vaccine injuries that weren't counted as vaccine injuries. Um, But I'm also open to the possibility that there might be that maybe all of the research we've been doing and all the data that we've been looking at is is somehow fudged somewhere else on the Department of Health for India and the Department of Health for England and the Department of Health for Texas and the Department of Health for New York and the yeah. Department of Health for all these other places where we're looking at data that says that vaccinated people are not safer than unvaccinated people. Um, uh, well, that's the thing, is that they're saying that they can both carry the same amount of viral load, but there is debate. Over what? On whether or not... You are just as likely to spread it if you're vaccinated because they're saying the people who are vaccinated who get sick are sick shorter. And so therefore, they're not as likely to share it as the unvaccinated because they're shedding for a shorter period of time. That is something that I still don't know the data on. So it doesn't mean that because I said I made a post and this is me coming clean and doing an edit 
because people took issue with it, and I agree with the issue they took. Okay. So I said, people who have the vaccine are just as likely to shed as people who did not have the vaccine. People took issue, and they said, that's not true. Yeah. There's all kinds of data going out there. Okay, so here's what I needed to have said. Vaccinated and unvaccinated, there's no real difference in the amount of viral load that they have when they are sick and shedding. However... Some are saying, CNN, Sanjay Gupta, that the vaccinated people do not shed as long. And okay. so, therefore, you are not just as likely. So, that's a, technically not just, but I mean, that's, like that, that's splitting hairs. And it, it takes, is. And it takes me away from the whole point. The whole point. Wait, <laughs> the whole point, which is if you're supporting vaccine mandates, in other words, everybody at your company has to get vaccinated. Everybody in the military has to get vaccinated. Everybody at the fire department has to get vaccinated. All the doctors and nurses who understand medicine, who are not getting vaccinated, doing that does not, if they get vaccinated, they are still likely to shed in the hospital. Yeah. It doesn't keep them from shedding. Yeah. So when you say you can't drink a beer in my bar unless you're vaccinated, does not mean that you have clean people coming in that cannot shed. So when you have a privileged class of people who can go to the bars and go to the restaurant and get food and keep their job, when they still have a risk of shedding the virus is about compliance. Yeah. That's about compliance and policy. That is not about science. That is a part of this cult-like behavior that if you just get vaccinated, your life will be better and we'll get back to normal. We're Which not going to do it. We're not saying our friends sound like that. No, that's the, that is the hypnotic beat. Right. That's why we need to have mandates, people say. That's why you need to have a green pass to get people vaccinated. It's not going to keep people from shedding. It's not going to keep the virus out of the workplace. It's not going to keep the virus out of the restaurant. Yeah. So why do some people get to eat there and other people don't if all of them have the possibility of shedding? Okay. Make sense of that for me, please. So, it's so, about compliance. So... You may, if you get one of the vaccinations for SARS-CoV-2, you may virally shed for a shorter period of time than if you naturally get sick with SARS-CoV-2. Okay. If you get vaccinated with SARS-CoV-2, you can still get sick with SARS-CoV-2 later. Yes. So, like, that's... That's also not di- like none of the things are different. Right. That's and, the problem. Like and that's if the vaccine made you act medically different, if the vaccine made you behave medically different, we could talk about a vaccine mandate. Still questionable ethically. But if the vaccine made you behave right. medically different, we could talk about it. The vaccine does not make you behave medically different towards your community. Prove me wrong. Uh, yeah, well, the CDC just said people who got the vaccine early are have increased risk of severe illness. What happened to that story? Not just risk of illness later. Increased risk of severe illness. That should be news. I'm angry. Right? So <laughs> anyway, I got about four pop-ups from Facebook telling me... Um, Warning me very sternly that I need to think twice about sharing that information if I want to remain in the sphere of Facebook. (laughs) Okay. That's a threat. Yeah, it is. All right. So I made a little chart. You're going to see it pop up on your thing here in a minute. This Um, is why uh, censorship is a problem. 
You Ro- made you made something. Robert Edwards said, "I'm racist." Oh, what? I don't know. I don't know where he's coming from. Okay. Context, please. Contextualize. Yeah, contextualize your racism, please. <laughs> the hell is he talking about? Um. Okay. So. No, he said we're racist. Yeah. Okay. But without the R-E, without the apostrophe R-E. I don't know what's going on. Paul Niehaus, vaccine mandates are insane and coercive and unacceptable communism through medical tyranny. Well, that's in one reality. In another reality, it's the way we get to Valhalla. It's the way we get out of this terrible mess. Yeah. Just depends on what reality you live in. And both are very powerful. Very powerful belief systems. Um, Paul says the people pushing for vaccine mandates have no idea how serious this problem is and to what extent a significant amount of people will defend their rights with force. Yeah. And again, Dark and I are not here fighting for rights over lives. We're saying that the fight to save lives is currently being misdirected and causing suffering. Yes. And lives. We want to reduce suffering. We would like to see more people having a better time, hence our website. And living longer. And living longer, healthier lives. This is what we want. And the mainstream news and government is not telling you how to live longer and be healthier. No, they're just telling you how to comply. Get vaccinated, stay home until you're so sick you have to be intubated, and then go to the hospital and die. A, we know better than that. This is dangerous. But you're not being told that. So when people, like on my Facebook feed yesterday, were telling me that they support vaccine mandates because it's important when they go to a restaurant to know that people can't get them sick. That's dangerous misinformation. That, dis, that disinformation does not get fact-checked on Facebook, even though... The CDC and Fauci and all those folks have said that you will still transmit. When people pretend that if they get the vaccine, they won't transmit, that is not fact-checked on Facebook. It's a problem. What you doing? I'm just doing a little chart because mm. I'm like a really visual person and maybe it'll be helpful for somebody else. So if you haven't subscribed to my Substack, it's uh, darksevier.substack.com. Uh, I have a new piece coming up regarding this ridiculous uh, Walensky video, Walansky video, um, where Facebook has, has warned me very severely that I should not be having that conversation on Facebook. So I'm going to have it on my Substack page and put a link on Facebook. Uh, so if you want to see the finished story, we'll have it up soon. Otherwise, uh, subscribe to my Substack uh, page, and then you can get an email alert whenever the story is done. Yeah, and we're working on transitioning out of Facebook, guys. The algorithm yep. sucks. The algorithm is designed to keep you online as long as possible and promote a mainstream narrative that is not out for your benefit. Um, so we've ar- we already broadcast on YouTube and Twitch. We're going to be building a Discord server where people can have non-algorithmized conversations face-to-face with each other. Decentralized. And actually see what their neighbors are thinking, not just what some of their neighbors are thinking all of the time. And then we're going to be um, eventually we will host our live streams through our website and uh, uh, also eventually we will be platforming all of our live streams on the website for posterity in a place where um, barring massive governmental intervention no one can do anything to us Mm. (laughs) here so if I get the here let's talk about some differences in my little chart right so if I get the SARS vaccine um or if I get natural SARS infection, right? These are the two options. Yeah. Right now, you live on the planet with SARS-CoV-2. You will either encounter the virus naturally. I mean, everyone will encounter the virus naturally. And then you can also choose to get in, get vaccinated if you want to. So um, if I have a natural SARS infection, 
or if I get the SARS vaccine. Uh, at the moment of the shot or infection, will I shed viral particles? Yes. In both cases. So whether you become sick from SARS-CoV-2 naturally or become sick from SARS-CoV-2 because you got the shot, you will be virally shedding for a few days in both cases, um, which means you are p capable of infecting other people. After recovering from the SARS-CoV-2 shot or a natural SARS-CoV-2 infection, can I get sick with SARS again later? Yes. In both cases, for all of the current vaccines, they don't prevent you from getting it later. Most vaccines do prevent you from getting that thing later. Polio, smallpox, chickenpox, TB. These vaccines prevent you from getting that illness later in life. The SARS-CoV-2 vaccines do not prevent you from getting sick with SARS-CoV-2 later on. So... Right. So is there a difference? Like, I'm trying to figure out if there's a difference between whether you get vaccinated or not vaccinated. Like, why are people trying to force the planet to get vaccinated? Is there some sort of difference that people are talking about? I'm not sure what the upsell the, is anymore. Between these two? Yeah. I think the upsell was that you won't get the virus and you won't shed the virus. That was the upsell. But that's not true. Well, and the they, CDC has the said CD it's not said, true. The CD said at the time that their data said it was true, and that's why people joined in. But they've changed that because they know now right. and we can see in cases all over so the world. So why haven't we, why are they still pushing to get vaccines? If they haven't, because when they, you know, Montana Standard must have like 500 ads in my feed telling me to go get a vaccine. Like every day. It's just article after article, paid ad after paid ad saying, go get the vaccine, go get the vaccine, go get the vaccine. I don't see any articles saying that the head of the CDC said that the early people who got the vaccine have increased risk of serious illness. I don't see that newspaper article. And that's, yeah. I find that disturbing. And that's what makes people... People should have an informed choice. When, when Anthony Fauci said, yeah, don't wear masks because uh, you don't really need to. And then, oh yeah, you should wear the masks but I only said that because I was afraid people would make a run on mass. Mm -hmm. He just eroded the faith in that institution. And anybody who's a critical thinker is going to say, well, if he would lie about that, not for medical reasons, but for policy reasons. To keep the stupid people from doing something dumb. Why should I listen to anything else he says? And you, that, is a reasonable, at, that is a reasonable thing. Or you should at least check out everything he says for yourself. Right. And Be, in case right. he does that again, just tells you a lie so that stupid people don't do the wrong thing. You should check that out again. Right. So, um, okay. So um, here, here's yep. another thing. Okay, um, thing. cause this is something that everybody says. I see this on Facebook a lot. People are like, Oh, I, you know, I got my vaccine and we were masking and we were social distancing all the time, but you know, I just got sick and thankfully I recovered. I know so many friends who got vaccinated mask all the time and social distance yep. and still get SARS-CoV-2. Yep. Um, and, and in their minds, they have a belief that their illness would have been worse if they had not been vaccinated before getting sick. And that's a belief. It is not provable. Is it not? It is not provable. Their individual case is not provable. No. Right. It, it's, it's, there's no way to create a scientifically valid study of whether this person would have been less sick or would have gotten sick at all without the vaccine. There's no right. way you cannot prove that. That's a belief system That's that people have yeah. that my, I'm so glad I got vaccinated because my illness would have been worse if I hadn't been vaccinated, but there's no way to prove that. That's just something that you've heard that you believe. 
There's no way to prove it. So um, Paul Niehaus has been commenting along here. And I've had conversations with Paul. Paul, I really appreciate you joining in the conversation here. Um, There are some things that we try not to do. Like Paul's comment here says, average people that support vaccine mandates have bought into a brainwashed narrative. I think that to a large part might be true. But I think when you say that, people who are brainwashed cannot see that. And then get defensive and don't want to listen to us Then they think that you're a nut. Or an asshole. Because you're calling them brainwashed. Right. And there is now resistance to communication or conversation. We do try to be a little more nuanced in our approach rather than calling people names for believing things. Because because, because we grew up brainwashed. Because people called me names when I was a brainwashed person in a cult, and it did not make me, oh, you're going to call me those names. Great. I want to hang out with you Mm -hmm. and learn new things. That doesn't work. Yeah. When you're in the cult, Mm -hmm. saying to them that they're in the cult does not make them realize that they're in a cult. Well, and Paul knows this. And it makes resistance. Paul knows this. If someone comes at him attacking his belief systems or the things that he's researching, he's going to be immediately defensive and not interested in hearing what they have to say because of their attitude. And so it's just an attitude thing. Like we try really hard to talk about these psychological phenomenons around uh, mass formation, mass brainwashing, mass psychosis, trauma responses, right. massive trauma responses without without causing a defense response in our friends and loved ones. And I still haven't been very good at it. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's honestly There's nothing. some lines. There's some lines. Yeah. And we are in different universes here. And I really appreciate, I'm not like bagging on Paul. No. I'm just trying to clarify for our audience the tack that we're trying to take. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul says, I'm disgusted by how many people fully prepared to hand over their right to choose what medicine they take in their government. That's fair. The reaction to COVID is a mass psychosis. How does this play out? Now, that's a way of saying it's a thing without placing blame on individuals. And I appreciate that. So I posted a link to a video that we posted on post-orthodoxy um, so it is mass psychosis, how an entire population becomes mentally ill. It's a 20-minute mm. video taking you through the steps of... 20 minutes isn't very long. Yeah, taking you through the steps of how something that seems absurd could take place. Yeah. And then... And how you might not recognize that that has happened because of the traumatic because, states right. we've been in for a while. So it's worth a video to, uh, spending 20 minutes on. And then... Um, uh, Paul says, basically, this is all a conspiracy. The question is, now what? And that's a great question. Now yeah. what? What do we do? So uh, Ainsley posted a quote on one of our posts last week that says, men go mad. Men go mad in groups and only regain sanity singly and one by one. That's sexist. People go mad in groups. <laughs> and, and only, only regain, regain sanity one, one by, by one. one. And so the idea of post-orthodoxy, we call ourselves an outpost in the borderlands because we're not going to enter into the mass psychosis and tell everybody they're wrong. That's not going to work. We tried it. It had negative repercussions for us. Um, So what we're doing is setting up an outpost in the borderlands where we have these conversations, where we're trying to have nuanced conversations. We're trying to edify our understanding of what's going on. And one by one, as people start to have some... um, What's the the first principle of the uh, of your theorem? Introduction of reasonable doubt. When the introduction of reasonable doubt, 
which can only happen in a very safe place. Right. You cannot take doubt about your position when you feel unsafe or attacked. For example, when we quote the CDC saying, you'll be fine and you won't get sick, and then we show the CDC saying, you know what, that that's not the case. Yeah. This is a source that a lot of people in the mass psychosis trust. Mm-hmm. So then that creates that moment of reasonable doubt where it becomes maybe safer because not some lunatic from a banned video said that. Right. The head of the CDC from a banned video said that. And why have I not heard about it? And why have you not heard about it? Yeah. Why, why have we not heard that the early people who got the vaccine may be having a, a, a elevated risk of severe or severe illness. illness. Yeah. That's a problem. So I think what to do is really about um <sighs> what? I can't say do your own research. <laughs> I can't say use cognitive thinking. Did you see that meme that went out? What? It's like a four-piece meme. And it's it's just a collection of a bunch of um newspaper articles and we did the you must not do your own research when it comes to science. We did a whole show on that last mm-hmm. year before we were banned from radio. <laughs> There's a Slate magazine that says it's time to give up on facts or at least to temporarily lay them down in favor of a more useful weapon, emotions. Uh, when I first saw this, <laughs> I, I thought was, it was a lampoon. I was like, this is a joke article, right? Not a joke. <laughs> not a joke. There's another article. Um, this is an opinion piece for, oh, geez. Uh, it's an opinion piece. Questioning authority has become too much of a good thing, and it's killing people. It sounds like a cult. It sounds like a cult. That's the New York Times. And then there's this nice one. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Critical thinking, as we're taught to do it, isn't helping in the fight against misinformation. I'm so shook right now. Like, as a person that grew up taking logic and and taking logic classes and critical thinking classes and logical fallacy classes and grew up in a cult. And don't do it. Out Just don't do it. Figured out how to get out of a cult, even though it meant my family didn't talk to me for a decade. Like, this is scary. This is scary. You're being told not to think. You're being told uh-huh. you are not good enough. You are not good enough. Anything that you've learned is not good enough. You're being gaslit by your government media health complex. Here, let me share some breaking news from <sighs> a friend of the show. A friend of the who show. Who sent us a message privately, and I won't say their name. Just anytime, She probably won't care, but Well, but anytime but somebody anyway. sends us a private message, friend of the show. I keep it anonymous. Friend of the show sends me uh, this note. She says, before I shared the live post-Orthodoxy stream, I had to confirm that I knew, and then she sent a screenshot. Make sure you're sharing reliable information. Visit the COVID-19 Information Center for reliable vaccine info and references. Continue sharing or get vaccine info. Before she could even share our video on Facebook? Yeah. Get the fuck out of my Facebook timeline. Yeah, it's because I tried to share that CDC video this morning. God, get the off of my business. This it's not is, your business. It's their platform. This is why I'm it's your so, privilege to be on their platform. This is why I'm really excited about the decentralized internet because yeah. we ought to. We have a right to own our identities and our behaviors on the network. The network is our new neighborhood and has been developing for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and we have a right to interact with it directly. I love the idea of decentralized web, and I'm so excited to get off of Facebook. Fuck that shit. Friend of the show said, I fucking shared it anyway. <laughs> I think I know who this is. <laughs> but we're not going to dox anyone. We're not doxing nope, anyone. Nope. Uh, so, you know. Oh, God. 
Okay. All right. So while you were doing that thing, yeah. I keep trying to use this mouse on this computer incorrectly. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm making my little... Uh, she, she added another quote. Oh, yeah? Are you sure you want to form your own opinion about vaccines, or would you like to be told? <laughs> Please, Daddy, tell me what to think. Tell me what to think, Daddy. Yeah, this is cult-like. That's some people's this kink. This is cult-like. That is not my kink anymore. No, Daddy. It used to be my kink because that was how I got into heaven. Yeah, but... It's not my kink anymore. That club is kind of boring anyway. It is. It's not very sexy. So I've been working on this chart, right? Uh, if I get the SARS vaccine or if I get a natural SARS infection and my body develops natural... Here, here's another one. Will my, bo- my immune system develop tools to fight SARS-CoV-2? Um... I guess, yes, because, yes, in both cases. I know friends. I know a very unfortunate friend who had a kidney transplant a couple years ago, and he has gotten vaccinated four times. Mm. And because of the medication he's on because of his kidney transplant, his immune system keeps rejecting learning. His immune system refuses to learn. It won't develop antibodies. It will not develop antibodies to SARS-CoV-2. Right. Um, At least not through the shots. Which is terrifying. Right. It's terrifying because it means they may never be able to leave the house again. Right. Or he might just have to decide that he's willing to leave the house and maybe die. Mm. Mm. You know? Like... How long is he? Is he getting? You know. So. Well, wait so, a minute. When you say, but in will his my case, immune system develop tools to fight SARS-CoV-2? Okay. Slash antibodies. Tools. Antibodies. Maybe. So, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I assume. Not, not in his case. I can go to my. I can go to a, a local blood donor yeah. place and donate blood, and they will tell me if my blood has antibodies for SARS-CoV-2 in it. Mm-hmm. So if I donated blood regularly, I would be able to keep track of how long I had antibodies from SARS-CoV-2 after my most recent illness in February. Right. Or slash, if I got the vaccine, I would be able to track how long I had antibodies after I had the vaccine. So we can know this. From what I understood is they're not, they're not testing for antibodies anymore at the blood donors. What? Don't quote me on it. Where did you hear that? Well, last time I went and donated blood. You, like, said, you said, do I, I have said, antibodies? I said, can, I, can you tell me if I have antibodies in the blood? And they're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. What? I don't know. Mm. I bet I could get my doctor to do it, though. Yeah. I'm sure I could go to my doctor. I would like, rather just go donate blood and then do yeah. it in a one-stop shop. Yeah. But I don't know why they're not. And, and don't maybe it just wasn't that day. Yeah. Maybe it was just that shop. But it seems like keeping track of antibodies would be a good idea. But Yeah. Because the antibodies is your immune system right. knowing how to fight off SARS-CoV-2 the next time that it encounters it. If I knew I had some antibodies from having had the virus and having made out with you when you had the virus, yeah. then then I could say, well, that's why I'm not getting a vaccine. Yeah. Because I, I already, already have, have protection antibodies. that is proving. And that's the, that's, the other, that's the other story that I was going to share today from the post-Orthodoxy page. And it's, I also did want to qualify this story because um, this upsets people. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to upset my friends. I also don't want to be not sharing information that I think might be able to alleviate harm and suffering. Yeah. So it's a it's a tough one. Okay, so here's an article that I shared from an organization called brownstone.org. Now, this is a organization that I looked into before I started sharing in, in, any information from them, and I see their stuff come up through one of my uh, people on Twitter. I think okay. I follow brownstone.org on Twitter Which or is, whatever. Brownstone is a university or a no, news No, 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 no. It's a... It's a news? It, I don't know who funds it. They claim to be post-partisan. 
Well, that's which a is start. Which is attractive to me. That's a start. <laughs> like, if you're not like, fuck the libs or right. fuck the Republicans, then that's a good start for me. <laughs> right? So they claim to be postpartisan. Um, one of the commenters yesterday said uh, they're libertarians. Probably libertarians. Okay. So maybe funded by the Koch brothers or something. You know, that whole oh, story. Oh, right? yeah. We could look into that and find we out. We could look into it. But I put I put uh, I published this article because people were saying... Uh, what do you mean that, well, here, here's the article, natural immunity and COVID-19, 29 scientific studies to share with employers, um, health officials and politicians. And so it's loved ones. 29 studies saying that natural immunity from COVID-19 is stronger and longer lasting than the immunity from the vaccine. Right. So that's not just a study. That's 29 studies. And so my friend says, yeah, but they're probably libertarian. And I was like, well, but the dozens of doctors whose names are on each study. Right. They can't all be all libertarian. That would be quite the conspiracy. Yeah. So what happens is rather than looking at the information. There's like, no. Rather than looking at the information and saying, what is this information? They're shooting the messenger and saying, fuck the message. Yeah. And I think that's Which, a part of the mass formation problem even is where you cannot look at information outside yeah. of the of this cult The charismatic leaders. The charismatic leader Fauci, i.e. Yeah. at all. And now I severely distrust Fauci. He is involved fiscally and scientifically in this process in ways that I find to be unsafe and unreliable, which also, you could know about. Also, most likely that he was he approved like made it and the gain of function it. study yeah. that created the virus in Wuhan. And is now profiting from the vet. Anyway, you could know these things. You could know. We these talk things. about this a lot. Yeah. Um so so, so Brownstone Institute, no, no. if anybody knows anything about Brownstone, I'm let me saying, know. I, I, di- I distrust Fauci, but I still listen to what he says yeah. and then go figure out if it's true or not. Right, because sometimes he says stuff that is accurate. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, I am not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't he's give already, anyone the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> he's already told us that he will lie to us according to policy issues and not scientific issues. He's already told us that. Yes. So if you just listen to Fauci and you don't question what he's saying— that is cult-like behavior, I'm afraid, because he's already told you that he will lie to you for policy reasons, not for scientific or medical reasons. So how do you know when he's giving you information if it is scientific or policy or political? Right. Is how do you he, know? Is you he, don't know. Is he giving you accurate information or is he giving you information to prevent stupid people from doing bad things, which this he has why, already admitted that he's done? This is why you must not do your own research. Don't go down the rabbit hole and give up on facts. Tammy says, I don't trust anyone. I decide via deductive reasoning and thought. Excellent. That's, I think it's a good way to go about it. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's hard, tiring. It's hard work. Sometimes I do fall prey to trusting certain sources because I have proven them to be true in the past, but I am always willing for someone to come along and be like, okay, even though he was right about all these other things, this one thing he's not right about. And I'll be like, oh, shucks. That's, I should go back to fact checking everything he says, you know, but like, that's a natural human thing to do. We like, we can't just actually maintain not trusting anybody. Okay. The Brownstone Institute on their about page. Yeah. Uh, the Brownstone Institute for Social and Economic Research is a nonprofit organization founded in May of 2021. 
501c3. Okay. It's vision of a society. So the fact it's, the fact that it's a 501c3 means that I am legally I am le- I legally have the right to know who, who's donating who and, donated yeah. to them, yeah. who their board of directors are, right. who their membership is, and what their articles of incorporation were. Great. Uh, its vision is of a society that places the highest value on the voluntary interactions of individuals and groups while minimizing the use of violence and force, including that which is ex- exercised by public authority. This vision is that of an enlightenment that elevated learning, science, progress, and universal rights to the forefront of public life and is newly threatened by ideologies and systems that would take the world back uh, before the triumph of the ideal of freedom. Okay. Whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot. And then their mission. Let me and read, ideal let me, of freedom is a trigger yeah. phrase for some people. It is because that is apparently uh, the uh, the Constitution is now the sole property of the right. Anybody who mentions it is probably well, right. How can you care about freedom if your freedom would kill people? That's the story. <sighs> so uh, their mission says the mission of the Brownstone Institute, which is in many ways the spiritual child of the Great Barrington Declaration. This is where somebody had an issue with me posting. Oh, this, this. is where we're going to lose a lot of people. So the Great Barrington Declaration. It's not just like a couple of guys in a think tank. It is a declaration that has been endorsed by thousands and thousands of doctors and medical professionals all over the planet. Ongoingly. And the people have an issue with it because what they said, because they were looking at data that was not the overstated data of the Imperial um, College of London. Yeah. They were looking at, because they started talking about this after data had started coming in. So they're like, let's look at the data. Okay, this is not as serious as it was sold. And so the lockdowns are overkill and are going to kill people more than the virus because we have the data. Yeah. So the Great Barrington Declaration, what they were saying is focused, uh, focused care. Yeah. So they're not just saying fuck the lockdowns. It's not. It's not a real virus. They weren't saying that. They're saying this is a virus. We know who it affects. We know how and to take care of them. We should take care of those people, and yeah. we should work on preventative me- measures because we have found some things that work. Yeah. That for some reason is not okay. Yeah. So to mention the Brownstone as- Institute is to be a denier, a vaccine denier. Oh my god. So. People that's will not, not lo- that's not logical. They won't look at the information, which is 29 studies showing that natural immunity. So, and the reason why this is important to me is because I have natural immunity. Mm-hmm. You have natural immunity from having had the virus. Right. So the idea of having an experimental vaccine to tinker with my immune system when it worked fine. Yeah. You I personally, should have the right yeah. to say, no, thank you. And, and, and I it, do have that right. You do currently. But- but there's this push for mandates, yes, which means I won't have that right. Mm-hmm. And so that is the problem with the folks at the Brownstone Institute, which I may not agree with them and their whole mission or everybody who supports that. But I do agree with the general idea that um, I should not be conscripted into an experiment, the results of which we do not understand. And the early data saying that if I do participate, that I may be setting up myself for like booster after booster after booster and to keep from an increased severity severity of of infection so yeah this is a problem and this is why our outpost here is for people who have actually started to do their own research not because they just fucking believe us please don't just believe us (laughs) their own research and are coming here to have conversations 
outside of the psychosis that yeah. is this mass formation where if everybody gets vaccinated, we're all going to be fine. It's not going to happen that way. There's no data that suggests it's going to happen that Did way. Did you share that um, link of the 27 articles or 27, 27 whatevers? Uh, I'll have to look it up again. Uh, 29 studies to share with friends, loved ones, healthcare workers, and yeah, employers. We have it up on the post-Orthodoxy page, but I will share it again. I will. I got f- it. You I got, got it? it? Okay. Sweet. Yeah, I'll share it again, and then you can read those studies and decide whether those studies are 100% libertarian and therefore... You know, and uh, even if they are 100% libertarian, if the data is correct, like I don't care how those people voted. Hey, we have our, I, our Russian friend is back. Hey, I'll figure out what he said this time. He said thank you. Oh, is that what thank you looks like? Yeah. Thank you, Russian friend. So this is the Brownstone Institute uh, article, but it's worth going and looking. If you guys can find out how terrible, terrible, terrible these people are, let me know. Yeah. You know. The rabbit hole that they say don't go down is what we do every week. I find I want to find out about the difference between natural immunity versus vaccinated immunity, and I come across something like that, and I don't post it until I actually know the source who posted that and then understand what their motivations are. I don't, may not agree with it all, but it doesn't mean that all the information, I'm not going to shoot the messenger. Yeah. I'm going to actually listen to the message and then tell the messenger to fuck off if I don't like him. But... People have decided just not listen not to, to certain listen to messengers. Yeah, we're just not going to listen, listen to certain messengers, which is a which is a trauma response. That's a protective measure. Um, it's very difficult to maintain. It's it takes a lot of effort to maintain a continuously open mind, and to not just get locked down into feeling like you know what's going on, and so that makes you safe. You know, it takes a lot of work. I understand. So I've had people get mad at me. I have a friend of mine who got mad at me because I said I was researching some stuff. He goes, "You cannot research." And I was like, oh, you're a good friend of mine. Come on, let's have this, let's have this yeah. discussion. He goes, you can't do it because research is where you have papers and you go to the library and you compile uh, some charts and you do the whole. I'm like, that's a kind of research. Yeah. So I'm like, so if I actually want to go down the rabbit hole and look at sources for the information, what is that called? What do I call that? Investigation? So I've been investigating things, which mm. is the root of the word research. Research. Yeah. So I don't know what this I think problem with research is. It's it's a part of the lack of meaning, the the meaninglessness. Yeah. In our, I can't in our know. Culture. I don't feel safe, and I can't know, and I can't solve it. That's because cult like because I haven't been able to solve it before, and so it's safer to just give up. That sounds like the cult that I was raised well, in. Well, I think it's also an ageism thing too. I think a, a little bit of it is growing up without full time access to the internet and never maybe cultivating an understanding of what's possible with the network that we have available to us. Yeah. Um, pretty much almost like the same papers are available to you on the internet and more so because now you can read a paper in German and translate it for you. Like, that's- Are you sure you want to read this paper? <laughs> maybe you should find out about vaccine info. <laughs> are you sure? For instance, for instance, I was able to find an article in a German science news magazine from 2014 where the gentleman who is currently inventing and profiting off of PCR testing said PCR testing is bullshit and should never be used to diagnose active infections. Because it might create the uh, appearance of a pandemic. Where there isn't one. And you could read that article, too, because you can find the archive of that magazine on the network and translate it yeah. for you with the power of the Internet. And I think sometimes people don't they don't think of that. They really do think you still have to go to a library and hold a test tube in your hand in order to be a researcher. There's so much misinformation out there. It's just best that I listen to the authorities. Um, so I want to read 
I went to I went and did some digging on the side uh, for my little chart that I've been compiling oh, here yeah? of whether or not SARS-CoV-2 vaccines are different than SARS-CoV-2 natural illness, right? So I've been doing this chart. Um, and so I went and I, I went to an incognito window because I don't want them giving me information based on my previous searches. Right, right. Incognito window, I went to the duckduckgo.com browser for an even less algorithmic experience. To not have your biases confirmed. Yes, I don't want to just see the information that the internet thinks I want to see. And I typed in, uh, should I, why should I get the COVID vaccine? Oh, yeah, so you're just a rando. You're I'm just not a rando. An, you're not the I'm host not of Angel. post-orthodoxy. Nope. No. Why should I get the COVID vaccine? Right, and what comes up? Um, well, there was like the CDC, the WHO, some Google articles, and I picked like the third one, which is from John Hopkins University, because I've really enjoyed their presentation of data in the past as doing their best to just give you data and I share not their, tell you what to think about the data. I share their risk calculator all the time because I think a lot of people who are freaking out don't actually know their risk. And their risk calculator is really useful. Yeah. In your age, location, to health understand issues. understand how at risk you actually what are. Your, your actual risk is. Yeah. Check it for your kid. Yeah. Check it for your seven-year-old, your 12-year-old, your 18-year-old. Go to the Johns Hopkins risk calculator and find out what the risk actually is. Hey, can you look that up and share the link while I'll I read again. this? Yeah, yeah. So. I went to this article, John Hopkins, Bloomberg School of Public Health, and this was published July 21st, 2021. I'm a healthy young person. Why should I get a COVID vaccine? Subtitle, even healthy young people should get vaccinated. Here's why. Uh, Here's a picture of two young people um, lovingly staring into each other's eyes on a hike. I guess that's the kind of life that you'll have if you get vaccinated. It's totally normal to have questions about the COVID-19 vaccines. Thank you. We asked to hear from you on social media. Good job interacting with the youth, John Hopkins and you sent us your inquiries. We farmed them out to our experts and compiled their responses here. I'm in my 20s and have no health problems. Infection rates are going down in my city, so why should I get a COVID vaccine? Here's the response. As more and more people are vaccinated, the virus will have fewer people to infect and community transmission will go down. Every person that gets vaccinated brings us one step closer to ending the pandemic. I think this first paragraph is a key to why so many of my well-meaning friends like the idea of taking your bodily autonomy away and forcing you to get a vaccine. Mm. I think this sentence encapsulates the belief system of a lot of our loved ones, which is that widespread vaccination is the only way to prevent more illnesses. Yeah. And it doesn't ever include natural immunity, natural immunity. So natural immunity doesn't have lobbyists. We already know scientifically that if you get sick with SARS-CoV-2, you'll have antibodies in your immune system. Mm -hmm. And if you get the vaccine from SARS-CoV-2, you'll have antibodies in your immune system. Mm -hmm. So there's no difference in reaching herd immunity with this coronavirus, whether you have natural immunity or vaccine immunity. Did Johns Hopkins say that? No. Oh, I got a nice little form. I got it. Here. Yeah. But they're saying they're saying that people should get vaccinated because that's the only way. Every person that gets vaccinated brings us one step closer to ending the pandemic. This is what you call a lie by omission, boys mm. and girls. They are that's that paragraph should also tell you that every person who naturally encounters and gets sick from SARS-CoV-2 and develops natural antibodies is also one step closer to ending the pandemic. Now, this 
needs to be unpacked far further because there are a lot of other issues such as what is herd immunity, what is community transmission, what is immune escape, how much do coronaviruses mutate, and this concept of ending the pandemic, Mm. which we have not been in the case or death count level necessary for a pandemic in a very long time. And the WHO refuses to call the end of the pandemic, even though we don't have numbers to support it. So they go on. John Hopkins goes on. Not getting vaccinated puts you at much higher risk of severe COVID-19, which can make you seriously sick for a long period of time and possibly cause lasting damage, even if you're young and healthy. We still don't know why COVID case causes such severe diseases in some people. So it's impossible to predict whether you'll have a mild or a serious case if you are exposed. I take a lot of umbrage with that paragraph. Yeah. Because we've known since last March who is most likely to get sick. We know why people have severe diseases. It's out there. The data is out there. You can look at the data. You can look at the data. You can look at the data mm-hmm. and see how, who got sick, how long were they hospitalized, what other pre-existing conditions did they have. We have the data. This is, this is an outright lie, unfortunately, on the part of John Hopkins, and I find it to be really distressing because this paragraph in this article is not backing up its statements with any data, and they would not be able to because we do know who gets severe cases and why they get severe cases. We're experiencing some, quote-unquote, mysteriously severe new cases now that we have widespread vaccination, and I think um, we're going to discover as the leader of the CDC said, that vaccination puts you at risk of a more serious version of the illness later on. But I think they're going to drag their feet in publishing that data as long as possible. Why do you think so? Uh, Because the vaccines make money for all of the people in charge, including Fauci. Yeah, that's why I'm tired of this free vaccine nonsense. Oh, it's free vaccine. You know how much money we spend on the vaccine? I don't know. But it's not free. Yeah. Taxpayer dollars bought the vaccine. Those taxpayer dollars that we could not spend on universal health care, that we could not spend on education, could not spend on the arts or the national parks, on infrastructure, we can totally just blow billions of dollars Mm -hmm. to these few companies who have major lobbyists in Washington. Yeah. We can do that. And that's free. It's not free, people. It's not free. Someone's making a lot of money. And you should want to know who's making money off of this. So the first sentence in this paragraph is problematic also. Not getting vaccinated puts you at much higher risk of severe COVID-19, which can make you seriously sick for a longer period of time and possibly cause lasting damage, even if you're young and healthy. Unfortunately... What are the odds of the young and healthy? We cannot prove whether an individual person will have a more severe or less severe case if they're vaccinated or not. Yeah, because cases this year are different. You because cannot this be, year, it's, it's, it's Delta. You cannot be your own control group. Third, they, par- third and yeah, final paragraph. Let's do it. There's also so much wrong with that second paragraph. Okay. John Hopkins, come on. I was really hoping that this would be some sensible stuff we could talk about. There's also the added convenience of being vaccinated. You don't, you don't convenience. have to... Convenience. <laughs> you don't have to quarantine if you've been exposed to someone who you later found out was infected with COVID-19. I disagree. Because of what we know, which is that even you when you're vaccinated, you still carry SARS-CoV-2 in your system and you can still get sick after being vaccinated. Can we put a fact check sticker on that? This thing? is dangerous. Feels Be- like dangerous Because if you go and vi- hang out with some friends on the lake and then one of them is like, oh, sorry, bro, I got SARS-CoV-2. And you're like, don't worry, I'm vaccinated. And then you go visit your fucking grandma. You're still taking SARS-CoV-2 to your fucking grandma. That's dangerous misinformation. This is dangerous Jones. misinformation. Hopkins. Yeah. Sounds like it. And I mean, tell us, tell us otherwise. 
And if you end up traveling someplace that requires a vaccine, that will already be taken care of. Okay, so that's true. What? If you get vaccinated, then you can travel. And spread the virus. <laughs> Plus, at the end of the day, you will be protected against the disease, so you don't have to worry about getting other people sick or causing them to need to be quarantined by accident. Everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast in posterity can just imagine me flipping our entire studio table at this moment, because that is a lie. That is not the current data. It is a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Um, you are not protected from getting SARS-CoV-2 by the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. You are not protected from getting SARS-CoV-2 by the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. And yeah. you absolutely do still have to worry about getting other people sick or carrying it around with you and transmitting it to them without knowing that you were sick. Do they have a date on that piece? It's from fucking July. Okay. Well, I just posted a link. I'm going to post all these links. So I just posted a link from August. CBS News. The CDC acknowledged that vaccinated people carry the same viral load as unvaccinated people. Okay, I just shared that link. I'm going to share another link. Just so that we have a variety of sources here and people at home can not do their own research, but just believe everything we said. Just believe everything we say. (laughs) The second article that I'm posting is the title of it is... uh, CDC, no, wait. Yeah, that's the CDC acknowledged that the vaccinated, okay, wait. I just think I just posted the same link. Oops. A study by the University of Oxford scientists has found that people who contract the Delta variant um, of COVID-19 after being fully vaccinated carry a similar amount of the coronavirus as those who catch the disease and have not been inoculated. Inoculation is a weird word for them to use. Inoculation, I think, is a more accurate word than vaccinated. Yeah. Medically well, and historically using, speaking. I'm glad they're using a, a good word. Let's look way. up the definition of inoculate. Because that's different than vaccinate. Uh, Inoculation is a set of methods of artificially inducing immunity against various infectious diseases. The terms inoculation, vaccination, and immunization are often used synonymously, but there are important differences between them. So I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and educate myself. Yeah, so I posted a, an article from the 4th of October, so that's this month. Okay. It's a study coming out of UC Davis. You know those hacks over there. <laughs> Viral loads similar between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. So there's four sources saying that vaccinated people are still spreaders. The degree of which we don't know, but we know that vaccinated people get the virus and spread the virus. So that makes that Johns Hopkins article dangerous misinformation. Violently dangerous, especially for well-meaning young people who think that they will not be carrying it home to grandma now that they're vaccinated. That's dangerous. Or their best friend who has an autoimmune or is struggling with cancer. I just want to keep saying that that's dangerous over and over. It is. Still won't sink in for people who are like, yeah, but the virus. Because we want to know that there's something that we can do to make it better. We want to know there's something we can do to make it better. Just just get vaccinated. We want to know that there's something we can do to make it better. Just get vaccinated. And you are a threat because you're taking away people's belief that they can do something to make it better. This is what it all comes down to. 
people are mad at me and people got really mad at me yesterday because I was presenting this information saying that you don't get perfect protection that you think that you're getting from the vaccine. You do not get it. And people are like, <sighs> they're mad at me because I presented that information to them. And then they start um, like nitpicking. Oh, well, a libertarian made that post. Yeah, so? but it's, a libertarian did not conduct 29 surveys and uh, conclude. Uh, 29 um, studies. scientific studies, they not just surveys. <laughs> the guy that wrote that did yeah. not conduct those scientific yeah. studies. But if it means it, this, is, this is the essence of a cult. If what I am saying threatens their belief system, then I am a threat to them. And you have to get angry and fight. It's unfortunate. So we have an outpost in the borderlands here. And if you want to have conversations about stuff that you have found, we have been taking suggestions from some folks. Yeah. We have some rabbit holes to go down from some articles to read from friends some of the show. Friends of the show who've been sending some stuff. There's yeah. we need to sort through it and figure out what we want to share and and what we don't want to share. And um create a larger community of concerned individuals who would like to see harm reduction in our current world. We put a lot of work into these shows. We want you to do your own research. And we also put a lot of work into these shows into educating ourselves and trying to help our friends and loved ones have a better time. Um, we are not getting paid right now to do it. We would love to get paid to do this research and to help our friends have a better time. We're not getting paid, but we're starting to get some support via the website. Yeah. So at, some people are paying us to do this at work. At better time, uh, betterti.me. Uh, if you go to better time, uh, there is a donate button or a support button uh, where we're looking to get 100 people at $5 a month. We're not asking for a ton of money. Yeah. We're not asking for somebody to pay. If somebody wants to give us $100 a month on a recurring payment, sure. thank you. But $5 a month makes a big difference, and we're eventually going to be live streaming from the website to get away from centralized network. We're eventually going to be posting um, exclusive blog articles. Dark's been doing a lot of writing as we go encounter all this bullshit in our environment. Um, and we're eventually going to be um, creating a Discord server, which is a decentralized net digital network where we can have conversations without the algorithm just deciding you don't get to see that person's posts anymore. Luckily, your host at Post Orthodoxy have enhanced natural immunity. Natural immunity to brainwashing from bullshit. <laughs> and we because like, you know, during the plague days there were some people who were immune and they ran around and did a lot of work. They they went around and did a lot of work yeah. because they weren't getting the virus. And people weren't telling them that they were bad because they weren't dying like the rest of them. They valued the service. Yeah. We're serving that service. We're running around in a mass formation, mass psychosis with enhanced natural immunity to it to do this work. And we're doing it for, we've been doing it for free for two years. If you feel crazy and you feel like you're alone and you feel like you're the only person in your neighborhood that's talking about these things and you're afraid and tired of friends kicking you out of stuff, um, please come join our conversations. We've been going on for two hours and 21 minutes. We should probably stop. Thanks How's for that outro going, Dark? Uh, we can add it in post. <laughs> 
In the meantime, we need to get paid. So go to our website, <laughs> hit that subscribe button, like I'm, us on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I'm terrified of being corny, so I'll just say it. For the price of one coffee a month, yeah. you can make a big difference in our lives. Yeah, it doesn't cost that much. We're, we're just asking for the smallest amount from a bunch of people. And we don't have a bunch of people right now, yeah. but they're coming out. There are 8 billion people on the planet. I'm uh, sure we can find a neighborhood of folks that would like to support the work that we're the doing. The mass psychosis cannot sustain itself forever because it's unnatural. Absolutely. So thanks for playing, guys. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday, and we'll talk about we'll, we'll have some guests coming soon. Yeah. Thanks for joining, yeah. everybody. We really appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun. I have to go check on what my dog's barking at. All right. Now. Cheers and aloha. <laughs> See you later. Thank you for visiting our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we are building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. <laughs> What's outside your reality bubble? I think I dribbled a bit, that last one.